Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Get nasty on a Wednesday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. Appreciate everybody joining us. 202, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Cardinals up 10-4 now on the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, you know, when we saw the lineup we thought today, Jamie, this one's going to be good. Well, not all of us. We were really positive about it. I said, this, this is winning baseball. Marsh was ticked. Oh, he was pissed. He walked in pissed today. Marsh, last two days. Now, for those that don't know, Andrew Marsh is our producer. You hear him in updates. You hear him all the time on on the fast lane from 2 to 6. Last two days, for whatever reason, have not been Andrew Marsh-like. He is very positive. Somebody that just typically has a smile on his face. Going about his day, love and life, bringing positivity, but not today. Not today. And not yesterday. No. He's I'm actually kind of concerned. Marcy. He said stink in his drawers. Why don't, you, why don't you just tell everybody why you're all pissed off today, Marsh? Go ahead. Go ahead tell everybody. Tell the people. I'm still upset from last night. What do you? Well, let's go back then. Yeah. It's a safe place. Okay. It is. You're uh, supported here, Marsh. Yeah. Nothing but support. Mm -hmm. Well, first off, the game started off great. Uh, Anthony, you were wrong about Paul Goldschmidt not hitting a home run in the first inning. I didn't say he wouldn't. I just chose Lars Newbar. Well, you said he would walk. He ended up hitting a home run. You did say that. I did say No, I did. did. Yeah, I did. So, right off the bat. Yeah, you're right. Right off the bat. I called him out for not hitting many home runs. He would get hit by a cement truck, too, or something. That was BK. Go ahead. My bad. Anyways, you know, we're have, we're laughing. We're having a good time. Uh, and then the game started to proceed. Uh, and then I believe it was the fourth inning that just kind of unraveled everything. And it just it just made me upset. Uh, we talked about the whole Taylor Motter thing, being in the lineup. Defense. Well, defense kind of lost you the game yesterday. The offense. How did that make you feel, Marsh? It made me feel very upset. Were you mad at the D? I was mad at the D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand Very upset. that. Did happen. you blame the D? I mean, they for didn't how you help. were feeling. I didn't blame. I I, don't, I wouldn't say I blame the D, but it, they definitely uh, contributed to. Uh, there was a, a many things that contributed to no my, Aronado's my D fire. Would have been way better there at hundred percent. I don't Hunter. think there's any question. Hundred percent. Much. You know, and then um, I don't know this Nolan Gorman thing just keeps bothering me. Mm-hmm. Him not. Being able to face lefties. This seems to be a big thing in your life, Marsh. Well, Andrew, he's mm. not. It's not that he's not able to face them. Ollie won't let him. No, 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 no. But Alec Burleson, 0 for 4, he can hit against <laughs> the lefty. Now he's after Burleson. Yeah, and it's, ground out to second. Marsh, let's uh, let's dive deeper. At some point, in your first 18, did you feel as though that My- you could have faced lefties and you weren't given that opportunity? No, no. Just I was back. actually just thinking, like, trying to put myself in those shoes. Don't get me wrong. I am a left-handed hitter. 
Facing a lefty is a tough thing. It's a tough thing. Is it? But I was given the opportunity, and I learned. I learned. Mm. I wouldn't have been able to learn if I wasn't never given the opportunity. Jamie, if I may, I think think that what Marsh is doing now is projecting some of his feelings onto the Cardinals, specifically his thoughts on Nolan Gorman and not being able to face the lefties. Uh, You heard him. He said, I got the opportunity to. Mm. It's almost like little Nolan Gorman is within Marsh now, and he wants Gorman to have the same opportunities that he got. I just and know it's frustrating him. I just know that later <laughs> in the season, this is going to come up because it always does. It's going to come up that he's going to be faced, or he's going to be facing a lefty late in the season. He's going to be hitting the ball really well, and for some reason, they're going to take him out, or he's going to struggle because hell, he hasn't seen a left-handed pitcher all season. Sure. I mean, did, I feel like we predicted everything that happened in that game last night from the Goldschmidt home run, Contreras hitting a home run, and Nolan Gorman being pinch hit for in the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. It happened again. Yeah. Granted, right. Nolan Arenado was that guy, and I'm okay with that. Well, let's let's get into this because he was supposed to have the day off, though. He was. So now it makes me wonder how come Goldschmidt didn't pinch hit the other night. I'm with you on that one. All roads lead back to one area, Anthony. Ollie Marmel? Yes. Yeah. Are you upset with the lineup he put together today? Because Marsh was. That lineup Marsh was... was furious as we come full circle here. Marsh was furious about the lineup that was put into place today. And then, almost on cue, Tommy Edmond hits a three-run home run. <laughs> And I you asked Marsh. I was upset open. with Taylor Motter being in the line. Well, you I, had Motter well, and Kisner like back his to daddy back. in there either. And I think, Marsh, if you're being honest, you were you were angry at Ollie Marmel. And this, this has upset? been this has been a bit of a trend now. Yeah. People are blaming Ollie. And I'm not one of those people to do something like that. Record. So this is a new well, thing for me. Today. This is a new thing for me, and it feels weird. It doesn't feel right, but Does it feel weird yet not uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, feels weird. Because I'm worried about the D, Anthony. I hear you. I hear you, Marsh. He's a big part and of it. And the offense. Aren't we all? But then when we we I, I said to I said to Marsh I said hey, how do you like this lineup now? Because oh, he hung, almost tried. He they scored it. They scored a TD. He threatened you. Seven runs and Marsh spins around, gets in my face, and goes, "Yeah, against a lefty in Bumgardner that's got a six something ERA, seven point nine zero to be exact." And we always hit heading lefties. into this one. So I said to Marsh, Jamie, and you know you were there. I said, Marsh. Why are we cherry picking? You, you didn't like the lineup yesterday. You didn't like the lineup today. They scored 10 runs today, but then there's a yeah, but. What are we truly ticked off, guys? We, are we ticked off because those guys are in the lineup or because we want to be right? I am the 618 today. I guess so. I am the 618. Anthony, they put me in a bad spot. It's rolled over. It's not my fault they're playing at 12. 12- 15 today at a 12 15 game i'm still a little bitter from last night why because they lost the series yeah they did the and cubs are winning this their series they're playing against the oakland. mariners now nah, they just played oakland against the rangers question for you regarding nolan gorman yeah and the text line here is one who sent it in from the 636 um 
How are you going to react when Nolan Gorman gets taken out of a game for Paul Dio? Because <laughs> oh it's happening. That, that is absolutely going to happen it's at some point. It's going to happen, Paul DeYoung will be on the bench, and they'll bring a lefty in, and they'll be like, hey, Polly, grab a bat. We're taking out Gorman because, mm-hmm. you know, we've never seen him swing a bat against a lefty. Right. We don't but know if he you, can do it. Polly, you, we think, will be okay. I don't Why? Why are we? Why are we? This is going to happen. Why are we manifesting this right now? Yeah. We are manifesting this right now. We manifest everything on this show because it always happens. Mm-hmm. Why That's are right. we doing that right now? It's going to happen. Why didn't you just put that in the universe? I'm trying to get you mentally prepared for when that happens so you, you don't go out and drive your car into a brick wall because you're so angry at the world. I just want you to be, you know, ready to go. I care about you, Andrew. I appreciate you guys thinking about me. You know what? This game, though, there's still uh, four more innings. There's um, lots of time. You're right. Or three and a half. Um, no, they'll still put lots of time in here. This is one of those games where... No, he pitched yesterday. Up He's six, down six. <laughs> up six, oh, it's down six, six. Here you go, Hicksie. Go get him. That's right. Tie game. All right, it's a fast sign on 101 ESPN. Cardinals up right now 10 to <laughs> ten to 4 in the 6. We'll talk a little Cardinals after the uh, the game wraps up. But we do have our final chat with the Chief. Craig Berube is going to join us. We'll uh, we'll put a ball in the season. Head into the offseason with the Chief. Talk to him about some, some much-needed work uh, that needs to happen here as the Blues get ready for their offseason. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time now for Chatting with the Chief with a coach of your St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube. Brought to you by Fisher Window and Door, your Marvin dealer with showrooms in Brentwood and East Alton, Illinois. For the last time this season, we'll have our opportunity to talk to Craig Berube, Blues head coach here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter, Chief. Uh, while we're certainly sad to not be talking to you each and every week, I know it's been a long season for you, and I'm sure there's uh, there's some excitement to get to get into the off season and you know uh, get get uh, get into your summer. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate it. I, I enjoy every week talking to you guys and discussing things so uh, i'll miss it over the summer but i know we'll get back at it in the fall again darn right uh, chief you feel free to call me anytime you want i know you have my number blocked most of the time during <laughs> the season but in the off season i think you know if you need somebody to talk to i'm there for you it's nice of you jamie i appreciate it buddy all right yeah. all right all right getting into the hockey season and the team in particular uh, look the last two games you know they didn't go the way you wanted them to go but you guys had a good stretch of hockey leading up to that with uh, a new group after the trade deadline. In your eyes, you know, how did you like the competitiveness of your team following the trade deadline? And, and in particular, maybe some of the players that kind of jumped off the page to you and said, you know what, I really like the way he's playing. Yeah, I think, you know, getting the new guys in there, they had something to prove. So I think there was some motivation there with those guys. And they played pretty well, you know, and I thought that brought a lot of our guys along. But I thought that, you know, guys like Shannon Falk really led the way. Uh, for me, from that side of things, the competitiveness side of things, and and um, you know you're playing meaningless games, I guess you so-called call them, but 
you know, we wanted to, we, you know, the, the guys have pride, still wanted to, wanted to play well and do well, and that was the goal, and I thought we did a pretty good job of it. Yeah, no, not every game was perfect and, and the way we wanted it, but for the most part, I thought the effort was good, and uh, we did some good things. Hey, Chief, when it comes to, you know, your your attacking plan, you know, with the offseason and all that, I'm sure you and you and Army will, uh, will, you know, will get together and start to build the roster for next year and all that. But when it comes to what what you saw on and off the ice this, this past season, some things that uh, you know from a culture standpoint that you guys could be better at, what, what are some of the aspects that you want to see changed for next year so you guys get this thing pointed right back in the same direction? Yeah, I thought it was a good start, you know, showing, you know, just, I think more than anything, um, you know, I think this year we just kind of lost our way a little bit with our team first aspect and we got to get that back. And I thought that we showed a lot of that down the stretch, which is important. So I think going into the next year, you know, that's very important. That's how we're built around here. We've always been built where some of our parts, we need everybody to contribute and everybody to be a good player. And, you know, you got to take the selfishness out of the game. That's the way we got to approach things. So um, I think this summer, you know, you know, we're already on it. I thought the extra meetings were really good. and Our players understood where we were at, where we need to get to. And, um, you know, whether we add pieces or not, you know, that's still up in the air, obviously. But we're going we're gonna to go into camp. So I want a very competitive camp, a hard camp. So that'll prepare us for the start of the season. Um, right now, you know, we gotta we gotta fill a couple coaches' roles, so that's part of the, the summer project too. Hey, Chief, I you know, for me, and I don't know about you, when we play, like a lot of the guys who had contracts that were coming up or free agents that are going to be available in the off season, like none of that really bothered me in the locker room, or you know, I don't, I never really thought about it. But when it, when you look back at your team this year, and you talk about some of the players, at least talked about gelling and maybe not all being on the same page at the same time. Did you feel at any point that maybe because you had some big names like Tarasenko and O'Reilly that were you know, pending UFAs and obviously Vladdy's situation where he had asked for a trade, did you feel at all at any point that that stressed out your locker room a little? Um, You know, it could, I guess. You know, listen, there's all kinds of things that go on, you know, in the locker room over, you know, years. You know what I mean? Like, and the, it can, it's never going to be perfect. And, he, you know, you got that. That's them are excuses, you know, and we can't do that. Like, like I said, it's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be situations where, you know, well, this guy don't have a contract, you know, what's going on here and here. But that's where, like, as coaches and the leadership group, we got to do a better job of making sure that that doesn't slip in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's never perfect. So, you know, hockey's first and foremost. That's the most important thing, the on-ice play. And um, obviously, in my opinion, that wasn't the, the focus point. Not enough, anyhow. You know, so we got to be. it's got to be better next year. Coach, a lot of press this year or media attention to the, the young guys on your team. I mean, you and I have talked about this, and we've talked about it here on, on the show, just – you know, the, the, the polarizing comments or polarizing fact that Robert Thomas and Jordan Kyrou got, you know, the big contracts and whatnot. Let's ignore that for a second. But when you're looking at those two players in particular, and we'll isolate them just because they're the guys that everybody's talking about, 
What do they need to bring to the table next year? Because I don't feel like each player is in the same spot as far as where they are in their careers right now or what types of players they are. But what do they have to bring to the table next year for you in order to bring success to the team? Well, I think, you know, a big, a, a big buy-in on team first, uh, for sure. I think uh, they can both be better defensively. They both can manage the, the game better than they are. And, you know, I think Robert's obviously been in the league a little longer, and he's won a cup uh, with, the, with the organization. So from a leadership standpoint, he's got to take a bigger, bigger bite in that leadership role. I think that's going to be huge for him and huge for the team. Um, you know, they just both got to lead the way on the ice with their play. And it's got to be 200 feet, and it's got to be a real commitment to, to what's best for the team. Coach Craig Ruby is joining us right now on the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Uh, Coach, another another area that we've talked about throughout the course of the season has been special teams. And when it comes to special teams, your, P, your PK, your power play, I know that's an area of focus. What What's going to be some of the main things that will be implemented this offseason or that you want to see implemented uh, that, that can improve in those two areas? Uh, well, power play, just execution for me more than anything was a big problem. Uh, down the stretch especially I didn't think we executed very well and I didn't think that um, you know there were just there was enough shot volume at the net you know with creating opportunities and momentum creating secondary chances just things like that in the power play it's got to be way better execution and way more directness to it and on the PK for me I thought the PK was doing a you know a real good job throughout the, the middle portion of the season. And then, you know, I think once the trades, you know, went down and we lost, you know, lost uh, some of them uh, PK guys, it really took a hit. Now, you know, going into next year, we'll have somebody probably different running the PK. So we'll have a talk and see where they're at with the penalty kill and how they want to approach things. So we might make some adjustments or maybe we'll keep the same, uh, structure of the kill, which is a very good structure. It's proven. Um, a lot of teams use it in the league. So uh, it's not the structure for me. It's just it's about doing the right things, paying a price on the PK to kill a penalty. Coach, you talk about you know a couple of new members to your staff for for next year, and uh, you know maybe the penalty kill is one of the things that will get addressed with one of the new coaches. Uh, for you. It, you know, does it does it come down to the group of coaches that decide on that, or are you specifically looking for someone who has experience with a penalty kill, a successful penalty kill, and that's going to put you know said person to the front of the line? Yeah, we're still looking into what's best for our team right now with with uh, bringing in coaches. Um, you know, so we're we're still we're still looking into that, trying to t- trying to figure what's the best way to go here. There's a, there's a couple different ways you can look at it. You can bring experience in, um, but also you can bring youth in. Better new ideas, not better new ideas. Um, we got a younger team, I think, next year going into next year. We still have some veterans, obviously, but uh, we're trending towards a younger team. So it, uh, I think we got to look at it a little close. We're going to look at it more closely here, and just figure out what's the best route. Chief, how how much of the process are you involved with? I mean, Army is, you know, he, he's he's a guy that, you know, when talking to the media, said, hey, look, I like to choose the captain, and he obviously talks to you as well, to the head coach. 
But when it comes to hiring staff, you know as well as I do, there's some general managers or presidents that, you know, that's their job and that's what they do. How much of the process do you think you're going to be a part of this time? Well, I think a pretty big process. I think Army and I, it's always been we we share our, our ideas, Army and I, and talk about what's that we think best for the team and what's best for me, helping me um, in the coaching department. So it's it's both of us, um, you know, working together and figuring it out. Coach, like I said before, always love having you on the show. We'll miss you this summer, but as you noted, we'll get back at it uh, next fall. So thank you so much. Enjoy the off season, and and like Jamie said, uh, just have that phone on, and and he gets lonely sometimes. Chiefs, just pick up the phone every once in a while. Just just chat with him a little bit. It does, usually doesn't take that long. <laughs> hey, hit the gym, ribs. Hit the gym, gym. <laughs> Chief. Are you kidding me? I'm a bronze god right now. You should see me in there. <laughs> Maybe. Nothing wrong with the gym. And let and let us know when we're going to the hive, okay? Yeah, yeah. We'll be we'll make sure we put some time aside. Yeah. Sounds good, boys. Thanks. All right. Thanks, coach. <laughs> we'll see you. Take care. All right. All right. I don't think he's gonna call us for the hive. No. What's it challenge me on the workout? Yeah. Hey Chief, I'll meet you in the gym. You know, he wants to make sure that he's holding everybody accountable, Jamie. Yeah. It's a culture thing. You know that. This guy. Yeah. He's the best. So our, th- our, thank-, our thank you to the, the chief. Yeah, he's awesome. He yeah, really he is. And for our listeners who don't, you know, who don't necessarily understand how great chief is, there's so many markets and so many coaches that don't want to do things like this. It's not that they don't want to answer to the media. They just are so busy, and, and especially when they're losing or things aren't going well. It's easy to just be like, I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to short answer everything, and and that's that. Chief doesn't. There are times, full disclosure, there are times that we've put it out there. I have, hey, if you need a week off or, hey, a different time, a different day, and it's never like that. It's never like that. He always um, gets on here with us. He answers all the questions uh, to the best of his ability, and he's great. He really is great. We're lucky to have a guy like Chief. I'm, I'm not lying. And, and you might be listening right now and saying, well, I, I, great, I don't care about that. That only helps you guys. Understand that when a head coach is willing to be as transparent as possible, of course, he's not, he's not going to come on and, and just flat out give you know game plans away and things like that. He, he's he's got to be strategic in his, his answers to Jamie and I. But realize that that's a culture thing. And there are ways to do things in sports, just like there's ways to do things in business and being a professional. And Chief has been the utmost professional. So that's that's the guy that, that brought you, uh, helped bring you a Stanley Cup in 2019. Mm-hmm. And, and as Curb said to us last week, he's the same consistent person, whether they're unfortunately like this year, you know, they, they've strung together seven losses in a row. They've won eight, eight win, you know, eight games in a, a row. So, uh, our, again, our thank you to Chief. It's been not a great season on the ice, but certainly we had uh, we had some good chat with chats with him throughout the season. Yeah, and you want to talk just before we go to break here. You talk leadership and culture. You know, Army was dropping that all press conference. Your head coach answers the bell every time. And I'm not talking about fighting anymore. I'm sure he would. I'm not going to put that past him. Nor am I going to ask him to fight. That's for sure. But when the media, when we're when our show comes, he answers the bell. Mm-hmm. And he gets out there all the time in front of the media, and he answers the questions. Leadership right there is telling his players, like, this is how we do it. It's not always going to be great, but this is what you're supposed to do. And for me, that's 
that's a huge part of what Chief has created here as far as the culture. And now he said, you know, we kind of veered off the course a little bit. I guarantee this culture gets drugged back on the rails this summer. There is no doubt in my mind that this team will get figured out. Absolutely. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's a foul sign on 101 ESPN. Did the XFL screw themselves with this tie-breaking system, or did they kind of create a fun final weekend? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Cardinals now up 14 to 4 on the Diamondbacks as they look to salvage one game in this series. And the offense, uh, it's come out to play today. Nolan Gorman hit a grand slam. Tommy Edmond hit a triple and a home run. And he's got a double two, right, Marsh? Is he, is he a single he's away a from? He's a single away from the cycle. The cycle. So maybe mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see a cycle today at Bush Stadium. With Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter, Andrew Marsh was just getting, giving you the update there in the Sports Center update. Uh, did the XFL screw themselves with the tie-breaking system that they have in place, or did they create a fun final week of the season? I think it sucks. Go yeah. ahead, Anthony. My bad. I'm, I honestly, Jamie just sold me. What do you got? Well, any scenario that doesn't automatically have our Battle Hawks in the playoffs, ah, it I sucks. It. Yeah, yep. I'm, I'm with you on that. Can I offer you a hey? Why didn't the Battle Hawks just go ahead and take care of business last week? No, no, doesn't no. No, I'll take I'll take that back then. Okay. All right, thank you. Just kind of have their take it right back, Anthony. Yeah, okay, that right will. Back no in problem. Your face, okay? All right. I think that that I don't I don't think the XFL did anything that other leagues have you know done before with it when it comes to the tiebreaker. And when you have so few teams and so you know few games comparatively speaking, there's not much you could do from a tiebreaking standpoint. Okay, they went Can to head to head. They went to division. You know, win percentage. Eventually, you got to get to point differential. Let's let's just pause for sure. a second. Okay, you have so few teams. What would the harm have been to let three teams from each division in? What would the harm? What would that? Why would that have been bad? I guess it wouldn't have been bad initially. Do you want to see? Or do you, you have? Because the north, because the south, the south division's terrible. So in in hindsight, you would be rewarding like three bad teams from the south. So what? Then you beat the pants off them, and big deal. But the problem is the North and South play each other. Or they don't play each other, rather. So then, maybe, what they should do is this year, but this year's, every season will be different. Right. It may not be always the North that's sitting mm-hmm. there just 
you know, beating the crap out of everybody. Yeah. I don't know. I just look at maybe the first overall team would have got a buy or something. I don't know. I just I feel like a league like the XFL should have had more opportunity for teams to play in the playoffs. Get rid of divisions. Yeah, you could see that. You that many teams. I'm with like, you. With just that. get rid right. of the divisions. They're all playing each other anyways. Right. I'm just with you, Marsh. Then when you have Marshy, that's the smartest thing you've said. Really? Like in a long time. Not the Nolan Gorman thing. No. No. Oh, this no, one's no, no. way better. This one's way better. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm with Jamie on that. Yeah, no, you're right, Marsh. Again, with so few teams, get rid of the divisions. That way you just have the best teams playing each other. And then if you want to have five teams make the make the playoffs, and granted, that I think that'd be half the league, but at least you you give the, the top team that had the best record overall an opportunity to have a bye. And then you you have the two games that you played, and then you know you set up your setup seating that way. I really like that format. Get the rock online too, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got the number, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll okay. send it to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I think the XFL nailed it this year. Oh god. I do. I think they nailed it. I think the rule changes, we're not talking about nailed it and like, hey, the, the popularity is off the off the the charts, because there's only so much they can do. There's only one St. Louis. Exactly. You're right. There's only one St. Louis. Which is going oh, to isn't there other St. Louis's? There is. There's a no, St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, Jamie, when I went I to think... college, a lot of people thought that I was from Minnesota because they thought I was from St. Louis Park. Yeah, uh, that's I was a like, park. no, I'm actually from St. Louis. Yeah, Marcia, right. that's a Missouri. park. Missouri city. This is yeah. a city. That's a park. Yeah. I think there's other St. Louis's. I don't know. Anyways, none why are you gonna do that? Anyways, who well, cares? You know what I meant. You highlight some of the weirdest stuff. Oh here, yeah. Lee. Yeah, you, Jamie. Nice. Yeah, you're right. Now you want now you want to, to talk about context, do you? Okay. Just highlight some of the weirdest stuff. I yeah. just don't get it. I don't All know right. what your agenda is. No, good call on that, Jamie. I'm a piece of crap. Uh XFL. <laughs> I think that when it when it comes yeah, to the no rule pushback. the rule changes, uh, the overtime rules, I, I thought they nailed it. I thought they provided as what within the structure that they could, they provided as good of a TV product as they could. Do we wish St. Louis, the Battlehawks, were here all season long? Yes. We've talked about that aspect of it. Missed opportunity, maybe. But when it comes to what I say? Nothing. No, nothing. You're fine. It would have been nice to have the Battlehawks here. When it comes to saving money initially for the XFL, having the, having every all the teams located in, in Texas, I think probably financially made some sense to that. But again, within the XFL's... yeah. You know, with within within reason, I think I think the XFL did a good job. I really don't have anything negative to say about the XFL for the reboot of this league for the third time. Um, I think they did exactly what they had to do to get this going, get it off the ground. I think that they picked for the most part the right markets that were available to them. Would they like to expand maybe uh, next year or the year after and start to try and grow this this league a little bit bigger? I'm sure they would. But I'm not disappointed. I like the games. The games were exciting. Um, the the two point conversion and all that stuff. That yeah. whole you know first and fifteen for instead of an onside kick. It takes a little getting used to, but I didn't hate it. I loved the overtime. I thought that was more exciting than anything, where each team gets you know three two point conversions and whoever has the most at the end of it wins. I, I don't really have anything negative to say, except for. I do feel like they should have had more teams in the playoffs, but that if I'm splitting hairs, that's where I'm at. I think the XFL needs St. Louis in the in the playoffs. That's a lot of their viewers, mm-hmm. in my opinion. 
I mean, I feel like the, the Oakland Athletics have more fans at their games than, than the Seattle Sea Dragons do. Ouch. You know, like Oakland's it's not a not good, good look. But no, you don't know, like, here's the thing, too, and you know this, Marshy. It's not like you're saying anything different. You don't know till you know sometimes. And you you isolate the markets that you believe mm-hmm. can do something good and get some attendance. I think that in the next two to three years, if the XFL survives, hopefully it does, that you'll see teams moving from one city to another and bringing in other seats. They're going to keep shuffling the deck until they get what they believe to be the most out of their product no as far as attendance and all that kind of thing. Yeah, let them build a little bit here. Hopefully. They did a pretty good job, man. Yeah, I agree. So from STL today, I saw this, um, the scenario for the Battle Hawks. Uh, if they want to make the playoffs, St. Louis needs to score 19 more points versus Orlando than Seattle scores against Vegas. And the Battle Hawks still must rank first in total points against to win the league's fourth tiebreaker which is best combined ranking among division teams in points scored and points allowed in all games. Oh, boy. Can this, I get one of those quarterback wristbands made with all this? <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, tiebreaker crazy. scenario. As gotcha. the game's going on, I can flip it open yep. and be like, okay, guys. Uh, this is what we need. We're good or mm-hmm. we're bad. It's so, the fourth quarter, right? All right. <laughs> the six-minute mark, somebody's got to have to buy a soda in Section 207. It's 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 ridiculous. Like, see, okay, so right now Seattle has the current advantage in points, two hundred and fifteen to one hundred ninety six, and points against one sixty eight to one seventy four. Okay, so just, it's going to be tough for the Battlehawks to make the playoffs. Yeah, it is. You're right. So just win, and just have the Vipers beat the Sea Dragons, which is exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm calling it now. Let's go, baby. Calling it Let's now. Go. Battlehawks are going to drub the Guardians, and then. The Vipers are going to pull off the upset against the Sea Dragons. And Vipers played pretty good against us the last time. They did. And mark my words, okay? The Battlehawks Twitter account mm-hmm. will throw out that meme of Will Ferrell and what's-his-face from uh, Anchorman at the end. They said, I, res- I hate you, but I respect you at Vegas Vipers. You're thinking of, of Vince Vaughn? Vince Vaughn, yeah. You didn't yeah. know that guy's name? I, I couldn't think I of it. I thought you yeah. were messing with him. No, I couldn't think of it. Vince yeah. Vaughn. Jeez. Vince Vaughn. Mm-hmm. His mother in the movie was Dorothy Mantooth. That's right. Mm-hmm. She's a saint. She is a saint. Okay, remember that. All right? Yeah, Wes Louis. Mantooth, I believe, was his name. Battlehawks are going to beat the Guardians. Mm. The Vipers are going to pull off the upset against the Sea Dragons. The Battlehawks are going to tweet out to the Vipers at... Vegas Vipers, I hate you, but I respect you. That's what's going to happen. I like it, Anthony. Mm-hmm. It was a good year. Can Jordan Cox use? <laughs> well, you know what? If they lose, right there. That's the attitude. That's the attitude. We Welcome go right, back, Marshy. We go right back to Marsh not believing. Nolan Gorman, Grand Slam. Can Jordan Cairo commit to winning hockey? That's next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You know, like I said, you know, we just we weren't really good as a team this year, and 
you know, that's all that really matters is, is you know how the team does and and so next year um, you know I want to be better obviously for the team and because I, I want to be better as a, as a group so yeah. That was Jordan Cairo who's asked the question whether or not he, he likes his individual performance this season or hey how'd you feel like you played on an individual basis uh, him focusing on the team is where it should be, Jamie. If he's going to take that next step from a leadership standpoint, and not all leaders are created equal, he can't force leadership. Did you make that up? Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's from Spider Man or something. I don't know. One well, of the Marvel. Really deep, Anthony. What was it again? I don't know. I forgot it actually. With great power comes, comes great responsibility. With great leadership comes great leadership. I think I that yeah, that was yeah, in one of the sequels for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure, Spider Man Five, uh, Jamie. Jordan Cairo. Soon to be released. I don't know if he's going to be I don't know if he's going to be a leader next season, but him focusing on the team and how the, the team needs to get better and then also of course shedding some light on things that you need to do on a personal level. That's 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 how you grow as a player. I think you have to get hell that's how you grow as a human being. You have to be a little uncomfortable when you when you see that change is coming and you have to realize that change is a good thing and you need to embrace it and you need to grow. And I think if Jordan Cairo who's got, you know, huge bankroll now. Whoa. He's got the contract. He's got the financial security right here in St. Louis. Now he can focus all of his efforts on improving as a player and therefore improving as somebody that uh, could be potentially a leader within the locker room. However, do you think that he can commit to playing competitive, winning 200-foot hockey? So let's just... Wow, I have so much I want to unpack when it comes to this topic. Jordan Cairo, by the way, he was your top scorer. He had 73 points in 79 games. Pavel Buchnevich was second with 67 points, of course, in only 63 games. Buch had a great season. Mm-hmm. But Jordan Cairo is your top scorer. Does that excuse him from all defensive responsibilities? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I've been talking about preaching, if you must that the harder you play defense, the quicker you get back on offense. And I've explained this before, but I'll do it again. If you play defense hard and you get back and get the puck back, now you get to play offense. So in essence, the better you are defensively means the more puck time you'll have offensively. Mm-hmm. Jordan Kyra still has yet to learn that. He's 24 years old. He's 24 years old, and he was your top scorer this year. And last year, he also had a point of game. I'm not ready to paint this player with a brush and say there's no hope. I never play defense. We don't know. He doesn't even know what the hell he's going to be in three <laughs> years from now. But he has an he has an ability already that makes him a dynamic star in this league. Yep. He has got speed to burn, and he's able to finish. Those are two massive qualities to have at 24 years old in the NHL, and he's had back-to-back really good statistical seasons. Does he need to grow as a player? Yes. Does his game have to go from 100 feet to 200 feet? Yes. But you're not going to need Jordan Cairo to be a Selkie Trophy winner, which is the best defensive forward. You don't need him to be Ryan O'Reilly. You just need him to have more of an effort defensively moving forward progressively and learning and getting in the video room and asking questions and and talking to veteran players about certain situations. And when he makes mistakes, not to just pout or get upset or brush it off, which is even worse, recognize or take the criticism. Like 
That's what growing as a player is. So in the offseason, if I'm Jordan Cairo, this is just me. If I'm Jordan Cairo, I get out of Dodge for three weeks, maybe a month. Then I'm back full time. I'm working out with the trainers here, the nutritionist here, um, in the coach's ear every day here. I'm working on skills, everything here. Because once you get that mindset of I'm back to work, it's really hard to get that mindset when you're not in that city. That's how it was for me. I'd go away and I'd get back here early because it was like just flipping the switch. And I had a lot to learn too. And I used to, and I'm speaking from experience right now for Jordan Cairo to him if he's listening, which he probably is. He loves the show. It's definitely our demographic. <laughs> 24 video gamers, they love us. Yeah, but he has, that's the kind of commitment and the kind of control he has to have over his career. He has to figure out why was I not better in certain areas and how do I get better in those areas? Yeah. Why was I not more competitive on certain pucks or plays? How do I get more competitive on certain pucks and plays? That's what he has to do. And then he doesn't have to be a leader. Like people, they put that stamp on people. You know, you better, better leader. No, he doesn't. But by default, he will become more of a leader by his actions. Jordan Cairo, if you've ever seen him in an interview or you ever talked to him in person, he's not an alpha male. He's not a guy that is out there, you know, smooth talking and pumping people up and, you know, motivational speeches and things like No, he's very quiet. Um, I think he's a little bit shy at times when it comes to certain situations. Yeah, which is fine, Greg. So then don't, don't put him in a situation or expect something like a David Backus out of him. Mm-hmm. Let him be Jordan Cairo and let him lead by example. Well, and the way to do that is exactly like I described. Get back here early, get to work, and continue to evolve as a player. And even if you hit patches where you're not evolving, at least appear to be a player that wants to continue to evolve. And I think that's all the Blues are asking of him. Well said. So what route do the Blues go down if they don't see progression in his first year? Are they stuck with him because of that contract? Or... You're stuck with a guy who gets 80 points a year. Boy, that seems terrible. Yeah, but if you look at his plus-minus, and I know plus-minus isn't the all-in. the whole team was comp- terrible this year. I understand that. You know, he was a dash 38, um, and he was on the ice for 56 goals, four, 72 against, five on five. I'm just saying you can score all those goals, but at some point – you know, what does that mean when you're on the ice giving up those goals as well? I'm just saying if we don't see progression, where do the Blues go from there? Well, you listen, you continue to work with the young man. You have an eight-year contract right now. If you don't see progression defensively at $8 million a year, where do you think you're sending him? Where they're going to be like, oh, please, send him here. We like a guy who can't play defense and costs $8 million. With seven or eight years left on this deal? Like, I'm sure there's a few teams that are dumb enough to... Possibly. But those teams usually don't want to take on that money. For sure. So my point is, is he's 24 years old. He's got eight years. It's what you've given him here with this organization. You'd like to see continuous progression starting now into each season. So a year from now, if he's still not great defensively, you don't just cut bait. You continue to work with them. Like I said two seconds ago, all I need to see is that there's continuous progress in the right direction. If there's no progress and there's regression, now you got a big problem. 
But if he continues to work hard, be more competitive, more consistent defensively, better recognition of plays, better turnover ratio at the blue lines, then you're seeing progress out of this kid. It means you can actually now you can dive into it even more with him and work harder with him to get him better. There you go. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We were in a kind of in a text exchange last night during the Cardinals game, and uh, Marshy threw something out there, and Jamie was like, yeah, Marshy, you're the best. And then I said something, and Jamie goes, hey, what do you mean by that? And you're like, never mind. Jamie goes, save it. Save it. Save it for the show. We'll tell you what we're arguing about next. Remember. On 101 ESPN. We'll remind Jamie, and then we'll go from there. Next <laughs> on 101 ESPN. Look back. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So we had the text chain going last night here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. We're 302. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Uh, Marsh, you were you were ranting and ranting and raving again about the the lineup and some of the decisions that Ollie was making. Um, and, and Jamie, you chimed in at, at, at one point. You had said, and "Checking right now." Yeah, <laughs> this may be the bourbon version of Jamie. It was it was at night, so. You know, hey. at that point, you never know how many bourbons Jamie has playoff had. Playoff hockey, too, Anthony. Play, there's playoff there's hockey. It couldn't have been too many because we did not get a downward dog. Uh, no, you did No, GIF, that's true. You want to call yeah. it. That's right. You're right, Marshy. So Jamie, Jamie at one point, you know, responds and kind of, is, I feel like you were agreeing with what Mar- Marsh was saying about maybe some decision makings for decision uh, decisions that Ollie was making. And then I chimed in and I said something that, Jamie, you go, what do you mean on that, Staltz? And then before I even had an opportunity to respond, you go, wait, never mind. Save it. Save it. Yeah. Save it for the show. Let's talk about it organically so yeah. that we're not sitting here and like, oh, like you said last night. Right. Like you said earlier. What I texted was we overrate the importance of MLB managers, perhaps more than any coach or manager in professional sports. And what I mean by that is we put way too much onus on a sport that is a team sport but is individual in a lot of regards. We put way too much onus on the MLB manager's importance throughout the course of a year. The decisions he makes, the lineup choices he makes, the even the bullpen decisions. And I'm talking about decisions that can impact games. But we tend to overrate the role especially in today's game where you have a front office. It's it's not just this front office. It's it's throughout baseball. Front offices now run teams. The analytic departments within those front offices run teams. Unless you're in New York with the, the Mets and Buck Showalter or now with the Rangers and Bruce Bochy, who really to me is, you know, Bruce Bochy, Tony La Russa. You're talking about managers that really impact the game. Tony, you know, he hadn't managed the Cardinals now in in near in, in over ten years. So that was, was with the White Sox, but that was also kind of the balance, right, Marsh? Like it was the mm-hmm. balance of, oh, is he, you know, can he still do it? It's an analytically driven, blah 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 blah. And that was the point I was making. I think the initial conversation was, I wonder if there's anything to the Cardinals hiring three first year managers in a row. 
that's what the initial conversation. That's how it started. You're right, and I said I, I did the hundred percent, hundred percent emoji. Yes, hundred yeah. percent. Front offices now want somebody that is good in a locker room. This is my interpretation mm-hmm. of it. Good in good in the clubhouse can manage young, you know, young personalities, veteran personalities. A group of players that might be from America, a group of players that might be from the Dominican, a group of players that might be you know, from this country and this country, melt it all together and also understand the analytic aspect of it. I think that as, as baseball has evolved now, front offices are looking for managers that, that, can, that can do that more than, you know, hey, set this lineup up, have a feel for the lineup, have a feel for the right, wrong, or indifferent – it has led to, in my opinion, an overrated role. Because as soon as the team starts losing, what are we doing now? Ollie's, it's Ollie's fault. Well, then, unfortunately, he carries the title, Anthony. So we'll call him a fan then. Ollie Marmel's the Cardinals' number one fan. Is that better? I mean, he's the manager. Is, so it better the for, t- is it better for me? Yeah. I haven't complained about what you just the manager did. because I think they're overrated. I know, but what you're saying, though, I don't believe it to be true. Okay. Because although the front office and the analytics departments weigh in on lineups and numbers and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. there's a guy that you put in charge for a reason. That's Ollie Marmel. He has to make the final decision. Now, does he get to make final decision? I don't know. I don't know if John Mosellock picks up the red phone and calls down there and says, bat this guy, Taylor Mm -hmm. Motter's the best. Uh, I don't know what he says, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't know what he says. <laughs> but Ollie Marmel's a manager, and, and he has to be able to make these decisions. Otherwise, he's just a spectator. So if, if like, all these things are already, like, predetermined and preset and there's no feel to the game anymore, no decisions to be made. I'm not saying there's there's none. I'm just saying we overrate it. Go ahead. I, I mean, I understand what you're trying to say about it. But I do feel like in this particular situation, like you've got a second-year manager and you've got three other guys that are brand new. I, is it, Who's there to challenge Ollie? Like if he, has, if he makes a bad decision, who's the veteran guy? You can say Stubby Clap or Pop Warren, but I don't know how much influence they have, especially when they're out on the first and third base and the dugout decisions are being made at that point. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, this is maybe a question for BT that we ask in him when we get him back on here. Maybe write that down, Marshy. Write that down, Pants. <laughs> and um, But I, I feel like some of these guys, not that they're just happy to be here, but they're thrilled to be in the majors as a pitching coach, hitting coach, bench yeah. coach. Like they're thrilled to get their opportunity. Are they really going to butt heads with Ollie this early into the season? Like when he makes some of the the head scratching decisions that we've talked about already, whether it's pinch hitting certain players or certain guys getting days off or playing right. in certain spots on the field, who's there? It's going to sound funny. Who's there to hold Ollie accountable? I would have to think, Jamie, that from a day to day standpoint, from from what we know of like Skip Schumacher a year ago, Ollie Ollie appreciates that pushback. I imagine from that Skip. I imagine that from Skip. I imagine that he makes decisions to hire people that are also going to give that same pushback. I don't know. Does I'm he not respect with the, the pushback, though? I, you know where I'm headed with this. Skip has a resume. 
You sure. can go to Skip's baseball card. He actually has one. Mm-hmm. And you can look on the back and see a pretty successful baseball individual. Yeah. Nothing against Dusty Blake. I never remember. I don't remember watching him play. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and some of the other guys, I don't, like, so, like, Matt Holliday, obviously he was hired on as the bench coach. He made a family decision. It didn't work yeah. out. Great. But that's a guy, like, if Matt Holliday says, hey, Ollie, are you sure? Ollie's going, huh, okay, wait a minute. Yeah. Maybe let's talk about this. But is Dusty Blake doing that? Like, I, I don't know if the – it's one thing to have these discussions, but do their discussions – does their opinion hold enough weight to make Ollie change his mind? But when do we have these conversations about the manager? When the team is not playing well. Correct. Yeah. So, well, Anthony, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're not doing well at your job, we talk about why the company's failing. When the company's thriving, we know well we got the right people in place. Okay, so the so who has who has the best manager right now in Major League Baseball? Don't look, don't look, nobody look. I have should... my I have my opinion. They're not the best team, but I think Terry Francona is the best manager. Oh yeah, in that's a good one, Marcy. Because okay. he takes that roster and makes them. A postseason team. So he takes the roster. He takes the roster and sprinkles his Tito dust all over it. Yep. And he makes those players better. That's that that's the thought, right? Yep. This that in and of itself, I think, is why we overrate MLB managers. I don't think that Tito takes Shane Bieber into his office and hey, listen, Shane, here's a little here's a little Tito dust for you. Yeah. Go do your thing. You know? I I think that in an individual sport. It's a team sport, don't get me wrong. But as many pitcher versus batter scenarios we, that we get throughout the course of, of a game, I think our gripes about the lineup and our gripes about pinch hitting and things like that, we overrate those. If they don't work out, like Gorman taking out Gorman, and I'm not saying mm-hmm. I, I look, I get frustrated too. But yeah. when you take out Gorman in a pinch hit spot and it doesn't work out, we remember that. If it's a pinch hit spot and somebody comes up and smashes a double off the wall, who do we talk about? I, I We talk about the player. We talk about the player. Arnato, for instance, we're using that for exactly. an example. He we was don't the talk, guy. We don't talk about the decision, do we? We talk about mm-hmm. the player who smashed one off the wall. So this is my point. I think we we lose all perspective when it comes to like grading a manager. That's my opinion. I think with that specific example, I clearly had my gripes about the decision-making and whatnot. I wasn't necessarily upset that Arenado was in that spot because he should be in that spot, right? I think I was more upset that maybe he wasn't in the runners on second and third, no outs, Alec Burleson, who's 0, and 4, who's 0 for 4, facing a lefty. Mm-hmm. Why is he the one not being pinch hit for Arenado in that spot. Is it because Contreras just came up and made the game close? Is that why Arenado gets into that spot? You know what I'm saying? So I think it's the timing of things. It's Mm -hmm. the consistency of things. Going back to Goldschmidt, why did he not pinch hit for Gorman? Okay, you were down three runs. But Goldschmidt has proven that he can get on base. Maybe that sparks a rally. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it's, it's different spots throughout the season so far that just haven't made sense mm-hmm. to me. And it doesn't help that your team is below 500 right now. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't help. But to my earlier point, and look, Marsh, I'm not saying that 
I'm not saying that decisions that Ali has made haven't backfired. I'm not saying that his inexperience has hasn't shown. I, I get that, and I'm not saying I I know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm just sh- sharing my opinion. But we seem to do this more with baseball than any other sport. For sure, it's like us. We as baseball fans envision ourselves in that baseball manager oh, role more than fun. more than any other. We're not sitting there and watching as Andy Reid, you know. Ah, you know what? Shouldn't have went to split, you know, split Y banana play there. That that was disastrous. That can be. We do a baseball though, we do, because we can kind well, of baseball is because it, it it's a slower sport mm-hmm. that every single pitch is like a new game almost between the pitcher and the hitter. The way you shift your your defense, your people around, yeah. the, the pinch hitting, the you know whatever it is. I think that's why there's way more decisions that happen, singular little decisions that happen with individuals in baseball. So that's why we question it more. In football, if you didn't identify a play, you got a whole bunch of guys running around at the same time. It's hard for the casual fan mm-hmm. to be like, well, that coverage on that one, that guy there should have seen and and switched off with this guy. And like, you're not breaking that down like that. You're looking at it going, man, that was a hell of a play. But I think, I, but I think more so in football, Two coach, one coach can absolutely destroy another more so than in baseball. Yeah, but I don't think the conversation here wasn't baseball versus football. The conversation was: uh, Is it? Are we? What is it over? Do, are we? Do we overrate? MLB? Good managing? No, yeah. I don't think we do. My point in bringing up football is that we 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 are so quick to hammer a manager in baseball for making fewer impactful decisions than we do in other sports including football where we're like we're so we'll we'll blame the player we'll blame the QB before we get we'll blame the QB the offensive line or the wide receiver before we get to the head coach who may have not you know understood a certain concept that was also showing up in the first quarter that's my point in bringing up football uh, i just think it's important that we hold people accountable okay <laughs> and i will say to your Fair enough to your point anthony on the the reverse side of things when we look at craig berube for instance which by the way if you missed that interview we had him at 215 good plug marshy go to 101 espn.com or use the 101 mobile app all brought to you by dobbs tire and auto centers but anyways whenever he would make a great lineup decision in terms of switching guys you know, in and up and down the lineup, changing the lines and it working in the playoffs, we'd give him a ton of credit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't really do that all too much with MLB managers, like Correct. you said. So right. I understand where you're coming from, from that aspect. But as soon as we don't like the decision that a certain mm-hmm. manager makes, it's he's the worst. He's the worst. Ever. Hey, it's all his fault. Yeah. He's got the job. If you don't like it, he can go do something else. <laughs> there you go. That's right, Jamie. Tell him. Cardinals win today. They just close things out against the Diamondbacks. They win, what, uh, I don't know, 14 to 4 is a laugher throughout the course of the game there. So we'll jump into that. I'll tell you, we'll pull out some of the key aspects, including a big day from your chart stop. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
six hits for the Cardinals. High fly ball hit toward left. Gurriel going back at the track, at the wall. It's gone. I knew you had it. Knew Tommy had it. Got it up in the air on a day like today. The ball is traveling, and man, the Cardinals needed a big inning. We know, we know BT well Shit. enough to know that he had said something there uh-huh. that he he was trying to not laugh. Or him and, and Chip had a discussion had leading some, up yep. to that. And they were trying to say something, or he uh-huh. was trying to say something uh, that uh, would not cause him to laugh. But, yeah, big day there from Tommy Edmond in the 14-5 Cardinals victory over the Diamondbacks. Uh, Marsh, Jamie, uh, Tommy Edmond. Was he the was he the man of the day today? You think? Oh, I don't know. Nolan Gorman hit a grand slam. All right. So we got <laughs> Nolan Gorman. You got uh, Tommy Edmond. I think Tommy Edmond definitely the man of the day. He had two big hits that home run and then a triple um, that and he had a double and too. He had a double but too. With you know multiple runners on uh, driving in runs. This team definitely needed that today. Uh, most most listeners think I'm a jerk as it is. Um, can I be a jerk for a second? Yeah. Yeah. No. I've right. been. For now. a few days. But there you go. Yeah, that I was waiting for some sort of uh, rendition of that. You said Nolan. Hey, what? Nolan Gorman, Grand Slam. You said Tommy Edmond, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't hear anything about Ollie putting that lineup together and scoring 14 runs. What do you mean? Ollie put that lineup together, a yeah. lineup that everybody hated. Yeah. And it produced 14 runs. I asked you guys. Gorman wasn't in the lineup to start the game, though. Okay. Even better. He makes the decision to pinch hit later on and gets the grand slam in that spot yet we talk about the grand slam we talk about tommy edmund's big day we marsh you hated that lineup i didn't like it it. i didn't didn't like the the bottom hated it 14 runs yet we don't go we none of us went to ah you know what ollie marmal had a good day today that made every right move no i didn't think it was a very good day at all for him i didn't think there was a right move the team Put up 14 runs, but I don't think that was the best lineup. So he loses, Cardinals win. Players win, manager loses. Yeah. Okay. Right. okay. Just so, as long, just no, as, long no. as I, I, you know, I know Anthony, the rules on this. You know what, Anthony? I know where you're headed with this. And here, let's do this, okay? Since you're all about getting to the bottom of things, right? <laughs> okay? You roll that. This should be good. You're confident. You, Anthony Stalter, is confident rolling that lineup out over and over and over, and you're you're telling me that you well we can expect 14 runs. No, no, that's... it's a one-off, Anthony. Guys get lucky out there today. It's a great day today. Ollie had a great day today. Ollie was fine. Ollie was fine. Okay. The players were great. Some of them overachieved. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, you get you get my point on this. I think, but, you know that was what? Last though? segment. I thought we were talking about Tommy Eggman this segment. <laughs> What the hell are you doing going that's back why. a segment on me? Just prove my point. You can't double dip, Anthony. Okay, right, Anthony, they should beat the brakes <laughs> off a guy that comes in with a 7.90 ERA. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's his name? Two, Mad Bum. Who gets mad oh. Who gets mad at people when they foul, foul a ball off. He that starts yelling at them. He, boy, Madison Bumgardner, when, when you're dominating hitters' faces – and winning, you know, uh, three World Series, you you can do that stuff and be respected. You're barking at Wilson Contreras 
to just get back in the box because you, know, you didn't like how demonstrative the demonstrative he was on a foul foul ball. Yeah, with a seven something ERA. Come on, Mad Bum. He hasn't gone more than five innings. He's been terrible all year. Well, so no, yeah, you should spot. beat up on him. No, he can't say much there. Oh no, what are you trying to say? He he belongs in this. He'd be a perfect Rotation. cardinal. <laughs> oh, Jamie. You know, in all seriousness, we were getting that tax. Do you remember that last year? Yeah. We were getting that tax, and we just kept, guys, he's overpaid and not that good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. People I know we're joking him. about him. He would be a really good cardinal. Like, the way that he competes. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. The, well, I'm not yes, saying to be on the team, but he, today. the characteristics. He's I throwing get, underhand. Marsh, I get it. The personality the and personality, all that. Yeah, it sure. should be great. He's terrible right now. Oh, he's now. not good, He's Anthony. not good anymore. No, which is exactly why they scored 14 runs people, on the Diamondbacks people today. People were making. Yeah, Marsh, you get him. People were making the argument. That, well, just put him in a Cardinals uniform and get him to October. That's when he shines, as if it's going to be any different. The guy's throwing beach balls out there. Nonetheless, great great day for the Cardinals. They needed it because they dropped the, the previous two games. So we'll go over some of the scoring with it. Carlson doubles to center to make it 1-0 in the first. The Cardinals weren't done in that inning, though. Uh, Carlson stole third. Arenado stole seconds. He had a double steal on the play. And then Carlson scores on a throwing error by their catcher, Herrera. Contreras continues his hot hitting with a double that scores Arenado to make it 3-0. Diamondbacks add a couple to carve it uh, it 3-2 in the top of the second, then tie things in the top of the third. Cardinals answer back. Jordan Walker had a really nice day as well. Jordan Walker singles, scores Contreras to make it 4-3. And then Tommy Edmond. Broke the game open. It was early still, but he broke the game open in the bottom of the third with a three-run shot to make it 7-3. Cardinals would add uh, a couple more runs with a Tommy Edmond triple as well in the bottom of the fifth to make it 9-4. Carlson reaches on an infield single to score a run. And then the big blast, Nolan Gorman in the bottom of the sixth, a grand slam, mm. pinch hit home run to make it 14-4. Diamondbacks would score one in the top of the eighth. Your final 14-5 Cardinals roll today. You're pitching, by the way. Jake Woodford, five innings, seven hits, four four runs, all earned. One walk, one K, did give up two home runs. 82 pitches. So he was uh he was fine. Jake Woodford. He was fine. <laughs> he was fine. Going back to this Madison Bumgarner thing, uh Nolan Gorman easily could have played, started today. Mad Bum has whip against lefties, 3.50. His ERA is 4.50. He's walked four batters. He's given up a home run. He's like terrible. this would have been a great, a great matchup if you want to ease your left-handed best hitter right now, in my opinion, Nolan Gorman. If you want to ease him into facing a lefty, I feel like today would have been a perfect day to do it. Yeah, it would have. But they get the win nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Congrats to Ollie for putting together a good lineup. <laughs> That ended up producing a W, which is exactly what this team needs right now. So I can go into tonight, Thursday, they get the day off, and I can be in a good, a good mindset going into Friday. That's all you ever really wanted, eh, Anthony. That's it, right there. there we go. The manager. I'd be a lot better. Wow. Thank it's all goodness. Better now. now we don't have to have that segment for a third time today because Anthony finally got his payoff. You you done, Jamie? You happy? You happy oh, I'm with done. yourself? Huh? I'm happy with Andrew. 
I feel like he's they grown. do smile. I feel like Jamie and I are just right in, we're just lockstep with each other right now. You guys are lockstep. Right yeah, it, you know what? It's you great. remind me of a young yeah. Jamie Rivers. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that, kid. Oh. What's trending is next on 101 ESPN. You're be happy about that. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, the NHL playoffs obviously underway, and last night, game one between the Winnipeg Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights. Got a little scary there for a second as Morgan Barron took a skate to the face. However, Morgan Barron's a hockey player. (laughs) Took him 75 stitches put a cage on and was right back out there on the ice. What do you guys think about uh, Morgan Barron and his uh, ability to to play in the playoffs? He's a a hockey player. Just like Marsh said. It's a man right there. (laughs) Man hockey guy. That's kind of a scary situation because that's that's, that's tough. The goalie skate got caught up under his visor too. Yikes. And uh and that sucks. I had a skate go through my chin, oh. and it was just about 50 stitches, and it kind of filleted my chin wide open. <laughs> I'd hit a guy in the chest, and he went back, and his feet came up, and I actually moved my head backwards, or it would probably would have sliced through my face. Wow. And uh, the doctor, I remember him touching, and like, that would zing me. I go, ah! I'm like, what is that? He goes, that's your chin bone. Oh, I was man. like, ah! But... Sewed up all the ones on the inside, then sewed it up on the outside. Put this massive bandage on my face. I could not tell you how dumb I looked. But went back out there, yeah, played, finished the game, and so did Baron. That's a tough one. I mean, and it's, and it's a tough spot, too. It's right above the eye. It's starting to swell. The helmet gets pushed down on it. And, but it's a Stanley Cup playoffs, man. You battle through that stuff. You guys are tough sons, and you know what, man. Well, tough or dumb, not sure. Either uh, way. Sometimes, it is, sometimes it's blurred. It's like Zidane Char in the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals there. <laughs> and he, jaw. He, the, yeah. Yeah. And he goes out there. He's like, all right, I'm ready. It's unreal. Guys, today Max Scherzer was ejected from the game for using an illegal foreign substance on his glove. Our text line said it was rosin. Not sure what it was, but he was pretty irate when he got tossed. If only he would have had the umpiring crew that did the Yankees game the other day when uh, their man was on the mound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what happened? The, he, um, Boone. I forgot who, what, what pitcher it was. It was it was for the Guardians, right? Yeah, it was at Herman. Uh, what was his name? Well, what happened? Boone said Boone was like uh, he the the Guardians pitcher was tested and there was there was a substance on his on his glove or something like that and he was able to stay in the game and Boone was like what the what what are we doing here no it was the, it was the reverse oh it was the reverse y- y- Yankees pitcher oh it was uh, oh it was Domingo Herman yeah Herman yes, yeah. you're right yeah and it was against Cleveland yes and they were like what what how does he how is he able to stay in the game 
And I don't know what they what they said to justify it, but that's that's what happened against the Twins. It was against the Twins. How about we get this right? They did play. No, but you know what? (laughs) No, it's terrible. They did play against Cleveland. With the trapped uh, center fielder trapped the ball, oh my God. and Boone went out there. I lost now. Stuff. We okay. got Here Cleveland go. trapping players go. and <laughs> sticky substances <laughs> all <laughs> over guys' hands. And even though everybody's got a headache now because of Marsh and I, let me just clarify here. God. Yankees pitcher Domingo Herman was <laughs> dominant in Saturday's 6-1 win against the Twins. He struck out 11 batters in six and a third innings, allowing just one run on three hits, but his day probably should have ended much earlier. Herman started the game with three perfect innings. The umpiring crew, led by crew chief James Hoy, did the customary check for foreign substances. And that's when they noticed an unusual amount of rosin or sticky stuff on Herman's hand. Herman could have been ejected right there, but he was allowed to wash his hands and stay in the game. Rocco, Rocco Bedelli, who was the Twins manager, former Rays outfielder, like Rocco, Rocco Bedelli. <laughs> <laughs> Ball deli. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it when Herman was checked again in the fourth inning and was still allowed to stay in the game despite the foreign substance remaining on his hand. I don't understand that. I don't know. <laughs> That's a head scratcher to me. Scherzer doesn't get the uh, benefit of the doubt there. Well, it, did Scherzer, are you allowed to have rosin? On your glove? Well, I don't know if I it was actual rosin, certain... but that's what the text line said. But you mix the rosin and the pine tar, and it creates like the sticky icky, yeah. right? The old pelican grip, I think they call that. <laughs> you did call it the pelican <laughs> grip. It's a boy, do they have a grip too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't understand. Like no yeah. information on this. This is where baseball gets weird. Yeah, they, they no st- information on why that guy was able to stay in the game, and now no information as to why Scherzer has been. Tossed. You're right. Everybody gets silent all of a sudden. It's like, hey, here's this big controversy in ba- Major League Baseball. We're not going to say anything. Well, you know what's funny about the whole Yankee situation is that Rocco Baldelli was the one that actually ended up getting tossed because he went out <laughs> to argue with the umpires. Awesome. Uh, yesterday, we talked about Major League Baseball, perhaps in the future, implementing a new rule with the pinch runner and whatnot. Uh, they're also experimenting with a new rule in the Atlantic League that would take away a team's designated hitter if their, starter, if their starting pitcher did not go at least five innings. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Remember when, when we talked about the DH rule coming into it? I think BT actually, I'll give him credit for bringing it up. I think he said, well, what? because he wasn't a fan of the DH coming in. He liked the traditional pitcher hitting, and he right. said... As long as your pitcher's in the game, he, you can have a DH. But once you go from your starting pitcher to your bullpen, then the pitcher has to hit. Right. Is what BT had so said. So this is something a, similar to that yeah. five innings. I don't know, Anthony. What? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know why they bother with this kind of crap, though. Like, there's way bigger issues at, at, to look at than the trend of the starting pitcher pitching yeah. less. Yeah. Like, what are you ultimately telling the managers then? Oh, you, you! If your guy sucks in the first two innings, you're screwed. Right. You got to take him out of the game. There goes your DH. Mm-hmm. That goes against yeah. wanting more offense. Wouldn't you want the other team to score so right. you can make the game closer? It makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, Zero think. sense at all. Yeah, and there's... how about coming back in that game? If you're the team that pulls your pitcher in the second or the third inning because he's just not he doesn't have his stuff. Right. Well, there goes your DH. So how about mounting a comeback at some point? Yeah, good luck with that. Like I, I, don't know. I think mm-hmm. that's the dumbest thing. I like a lot of the Jesus rules. baseball. Leave it alone. Sometimes I like a lot of the changes that they made. I, I have. I, I have. I like the shift. 
not, not you know the, the restrictions on the shift i i really like the uh you know the pitch clock and the the flow of a game I, I think to your your guys's point we've we made one step too many here can, can we just or we're trying to can we just give it a five-year grace period here let's let the game just be the game you don't have to have new rules every year and something different just to try and keep the interest of fans. Or ch- Sometimes you need to see if the, what you've changed is actually working before mm-hmm. you change more. Baseball, give take a, a step back. Give it a beat. Give it a beat. Baseball, give it a sec. Yeah, what he said. Man, the Cardinals, they'd be screwed. Oh, yeah, they'd have no DH for 75% of the season. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. They're not alone, though, guys. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. Was the WBC a bad idea for some of the Cardinals? Well, one player that uh, participated in the WBC suggested it may have been a negative. That's That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Adam Wainwright joins the opening drive every single week, and he joined them this uh, today, this morning. And one of the questions that Randy Carricker and Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis asked Wayno was about the WBC, whether or not that had any sort of impact on the slow start. This is what Cardinal starter Adam Wainwright had to say about that. Well, you know, I loved my time with the WBC. I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. That was one of the highlights of my baseball playing career. Everybody who said that, everybody who played in it said that. Uh, I talked to Tyler O'Neill about it yesterday. He said that, you know, and they didn't even go as far as, as he wanted to, but he said, man, just different, right? But, all right, think, consider this for a second. Goldie, Arenado, Michaelis, Wainwright, Edmund, Newt Barr, uh, and several others all pulled out, Tyler O'Neill, all pulled out. These are these are everyday players for the most part, crucial to the central of your lineup and, and pitching staff, pulled out of the entire spring training um, to play. And, and I do think it's a thing, man. You know, I think it's a thing where – uh, it might take a little time to gel as, as a unit afterwards, uh, come together as a unit, get used to playing every day with with that group. And I, I think that's something to consider, not a total excuse, but something to consider. I think it's it, – I know he's, he's not saying anything emphatically, Jamie. He's not saying this is why we're off to a slow start. He is just kind of throwing it out there, something to consider. That's what he said. The only thing I would say is if the Cardinals – came out of the gates like the Rays did in their 13-0. and We said, hey, Wayno, what do you think about the WBC preparing you guys to get ready? I'm sure the answer would be, oh, yeah, look at the games that are played there com- compared to spring training. This is narrative-driven. I'm not Again, I'm not saying that Wayno is saying emphatically this is how we're off to – this is why we're off to a slow start. I'm not giving any consideration to it. I do not think we would apply the same – reasoning if it if if the cardinals were you know 13 and whatever right now as opposed to where they're at i have nothing but respect and admiration for adam wainwright he has been the ultimate cardinal for uh, forever 
He's a Cardinals Hall of Famer, in my opinion, should get serious consideration for baseball's Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. I can't wrap my bra- my brain around what he just said. I can't. These guys have been together for how many years now? Long time. All the guys he just said are guys that were on the roster last year. Why would they have to be gelling and getting to know each other in spring training? Like I get it, it's a reboot. Every year is different. And, but to your point, Anthony, if they came out of the gates hot and were the best team in baseball or even the best team in the National League, the narrative would have been your top guys were at the WBC. They brought that attitude back here with them. They right. brought that competitiveness back here with them. And look what it did to our team. So is the reverse of that, how dare they go and leave our team and now we can't win a game because nobody knows who anybody is and we can't gel. Right. I know he said it in the moment, and it's probably one of those things where sometimes when you're brainstorming within your own brain and you're like, hey, you know what, maybe, yeah. you know, I haven't really been around the guys. And maybe this is an Adam Wainwright thing too because he's been on the I.L., and he's been in a different spot than these guys. I, you know, he's not always on the road with them. He's not in the clubhouse every day. He's down at Springfield right now. So maybe Adam Wainwright, because he's a creature of habit, feels a little disconnected from sure. the group. And so maybe he's just kind of thinking out loud, like, man, maybe we haven't gelled yet. And he's also a leader who's always trying to find solutions. And so maybe Adam Wainwright's using that and saying, you know what? Maybe we need to be a little tighter as a group. Maybe right now in a time where things aren't going all that great, we need to gel together, and we haven't done that yet. So all of these things can all be true. I just don't like the narrative of we didn't have spring training as as an entire group, so therefore, you know, this this was kind of to be expected. I I don't agree with that. I think you look at other teams, too, and – you know, can you say the same thing about those teams? Because some other teams are having better seasons than than the Cardinals are. And then honestly, like you look at some of the numbers from the WBC, those guys were hitting really well. Newt Bar, mm-hmm. O'Neill, you had obviously Goldie, Arenado. The only thing that maybe I can take from this is Michaelis not pitching with Wilson Contreras. Contreras made it a huge deal that he was staying in the States going to spring training to get comfortable with the new pitching staff. Michaelis was not there. Who's struggling so far? Miles Michaelis. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the one thing that you can draw from those players going to the WBC. Other yeah. than that, I agree with you, what you guys are saying. Um, there's there's really nothing to that. I think you know, you're just kind of cherry-picking, but it could be one of those things where you're, you're just thinking out loud. You're trying to find something like, ah, oh, maybe, like you said, Jamie, maybe maybe this isn't yeah. working. Uh, because and when you're of- a guy like Wayno and you're relied upon and you're the leader, the captain of the team, you know, I know they don't wear C's and A's and things like that, but there's no doubt that Adam Wainwright is the leader of that clubhouse, and he hasn't been able to, have been, to be around full-time like he normally is. And mm-hmm. so, therefore, I bet Adam Wainwright feels like, he hasn't been able to have a full impact on this group, and he probably holds himself a little accountable for that too. And now he, I think he's getting the word out there that he'd like this team to be tighter knit, gel, sure. whatever it is, you know, kind of get going here. He's he's also you know he's also a human being and a competitor, and I'm sure just like most of the players, if not every single 
uh, every single player right now in the Cardinals, you're you're thinking about okay. What could this be? We know we have a good team. We, why are we off to the slow start? Or why are we hanging 14 runs on the Diamondbacks one game, but the previous, the last two games we, we struggle and we drop two? It's human nature to try to figure out one sole reason why something is, something is going wrong. Whereas it's probably a multitude of things, including you have just enough guys in important roles not executing yet including three-fifths of your starting rotation, including a, a pitcher in Jordan Hicks, who you thought was going to be, who all, we all thought was going to be a key piece in the back end of the bullpen, struggling. Andre Pallante was, you know, this, this is, a, this is a, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but he was a revelation last year for your bullpen. Nobody, knew, nobody really knew who Andre Pallante was, Coming out of uh, coming out of spring training, outside oh, he of, made that team in spring training. He and this really kept nice going. spring. Yep, but he, his role his role expanded from the opening week on, and he has struggled. Heck, he was in your rotation at one point. Correct. So you're you just got you got some key guys that are struggling at at the wrong time, and it has led to a slow start. And hopefully, that's all it is. We're nowhere near. This is a trend yet. As much as we want to find the trend, we're nowhere near. This is a trend. This is going to be a problem all year. What about the pitching? I know it's not good enough. It also isn't. Isn't it? Shouldn't be as as bad as it is now. When do the Cardinals go on the road here? Friday. Yeah, this weekend. Where Where are they going? They're in Seattle. Seattle. Seattle's actually a pretty cool spot. Got to Got to go there this year with the Blues. Um, what's when's their last game against the Diamondbacks? Today, 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 That's and it. they go on the they're road. They're off tomorrow. They're off tomorrow. Okay, so here's what I would be doing. Okay, if I was the Cardinals' management coaching staff, I'd be hitting the road today. Fly straight to Seattle. Land. Hey, Goldie, Nolan, break out that wallet. We're going to have a team night here on the road. Doesn't mean you got to be knocked down, drag them out, you know, stumbling around. If this gelling is a thing, mm-hmm. if this if this getting to back to being the group of guys is a thing, this is the time to do it. You got a day off tomorrow. You go out there tonight, and as Jimmy Roberts said, you get out there and you hit the dance floor, and then you pay the fiddler the next day. <laughs> so what do you do? And you know what? You go out there, you hit the dance floor tonight, have a good time with the boys. You know, maybe watch some NHL playoffs on TV. Maybe they have a Twin Peaks out there in Seattle. I'm sure they do. Mm. The Kraken playing? No, that's tomorrow night. No, that's tomorrow night. They won last night. And they can hang out with the Kraken, although they're Bowie. in Vegas. Yeah. Either way. Oh, man. Do you think Bowie could scare the Cardinals into yes, a, I I think a Bowie bad could do... stretch of games? No, he could do the opposite right now. He could oh. take the bad juju right out of there. Take it right out of him. Bowie man. needs to t- talk to the pitching staff. He could. But the idea of it, get the guys out together, have a good time, yep. um, you know, do that kind of thing. I've heard sometimes road trips helps like that, to it your does. point. To your point, because you get away, you get away from, you know, the family kind of responsibilities and all that, and you just concentrate on the game for a little bit, a little road trip. You relax a little bit, too. You don't have a game tomorrow, and, you know, you're like you just sit there, and you get to talk to your teammates. And there is a part of it, too. Because of all this spring training, WBC, and then in baseball, you hit the road right away and you got a million things going on. You haven't seen your boys mm-hmm. and spend some time together. And in any business, 
when you have good camaraderie within the group, usually that group does better. They push each other in a positive way. So I'm a big fan of the get out on the road, have a few drinks, get a room at the hotel, whatever it is, have a big party room for the team and just sit in there if you have to and just talk. We mentioned yesterday the Cubs' early good. early success <laughs> that the Cubs are having. Yeah, uh, They've been on the road to start the year off. A huge road trip. I wonder if that has anything to do with their success. They're just now getting home. Cardinals have played a ton of home games, had one little road trip. So maybe there's something to that. They just need to get out there and yeah. uh, start clicking, start gelling. There you with go. With the boys. Nice. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We've got a returning gauntlet contestant next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can you survive the gauntlet? It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. <laughs> did you did that with, I'm so glad you said shoot. Was it my gun? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. My headphones are tied into a pretzel. Oh, I, I, I thought you were shushing me. Nope. Shushing Anthony. No, he, Jamie goes, oh, shoot. And I'm, we're all thankful he did. <laughs> I don't use bad language. Anthony. Nah, you're right, Jamie. Sometimes right. I wonder if Jamie hears me count down. No, he ain't paying attention. I don't either. even know half no. the time what's yeah. going on. I'm sorry. No. Marsh, you do a great job of keeping us away from the FCC. Nice, and em- nice job. employed for that matter. Yep, that's for sure. All right, Jacob is back for round two. He beat Marsh yesterday. Uh, impressive performance. Got every question right. Wound up posting five to Marsh's three. And now Jacob is back to take on either Jamie or myself. What's up, Jacob? Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing great. How are you? Doing well. Actually, uh, took a half day today and went to the Cardinals game. Oh, nice. Okay. Wow. So it was your, it, it was, uh, you deserve all the credit for the 14 run output. I, I like it. So, yeah. What'd you call us? <laughs> it was all me. Okay. I, I, I did call the Gorman bomb. I'm just saying. Nice. There you go. All right, Jacob. Do you want Jamie or me today? I'm going to take on Jamie today. Whoa, Jacob. You have a couple of wobbly pops down there feeling frisky, my friend. <laughs> I, uh, yes. Just yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Good luck, man. You as well. All right. So as Jamie makes his way into the cone of silence and uh, shuts off his watch, we'll oh, remind every we'll remind everybody uh, that Jacob has to spin the wheel here to get the category. He has Jamie lined up for round two, but Jacob, we are, yep, we're ready as Jamie is now in the cone of silence. So go ahead, Jacob, tell Marsh to spin the wheel. All right, Marsh, you spin that wheel. What's the category you want, Jacob? Same thing as yesterday, just not hockey. Not hockey, okay. You are not going to get hockey. It is funny. The, the, The sport that I get consistently is hockey the sport that Jamie gets consistently I feel is football which is what the category is today Jacob so how do you feel about football Uh, I'm not super confident but I'll see what I can make happen okay here we go all right each question is worth two points unless Jacob or Jamie needs the options and then those questions are only worth one point are you ready 
I'm ready. All right, question number one, Jacob. Jamal Charles played nine seasons with the Chiefs before playing one season with the Denver Broncos and then finishing his career with which team? So which team did Jamal? Uh, that's Jacksonville. I actually know that one. Okay. Final, Final answer? answer? There you go. Yes. Question number two. The last time the Bears won a playoff game, who was their starting quarterback? Oh, I'm a Bears friend, uh, fan. My friends are going to kill me if I don't know this. Uh, I, I need the options. I'm sorry. Options are Jay Cutler, Mitch Trubisky, or Rex Grossman. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get roasted for this one. Um, I'm going to have to go with Trubisky. Final answer? Final answer. Question number three, Jacob. How many NFL games ended in a tie last season? How many NFL games ended in a tie last season? Uh, yeah, options, please. One, two, or three? Uh, one. Final? One final answer. All right. Last question. In 2021, Illinois defeated which team 20 to 18 in a game that went nine overtimes and set the record for most overtimes in an NCAA football game? Penn State, final answer. Okay. Did you just know that one off the top of your head? or uh, I went to school at Illinois, uh, U of I. All right, there you have it. All right. Jamie can come back from the cone of silence right now. Jacob, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm confident about two of them, but uh, my friends are already texting me that I'm an idiot over the, the Bears one. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, Jamie's <laughs> now putting his earbuds in. Yeah. Marsh, go ahead and tell him. Uh, pack a lunch. All right. Jamie, your category today is football. Let's go, baby. Football is your Let's category. Go. Question number one, Jamie. Jamal Charles played nine seasons with the Chiefs before playing one season with the Denver Broncos and then finishing his career with which team? Oh, yeah, this is an easy one. Give me the options, please. Sure. New York Jets, Houston Texans, Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville, final answer. Question number two. The last time the Bears won a playoff game, who was their starting quarterback? Oh, wow. Wow. Options, please. Options are Jay Cutler, Mitch Trubisky, or Rex Grossman. Jay Cutler. Final answer. Jamie, question number three. How many NFL games ended in a tie last season? Two. Final answer. Oh, my goodness. You're quick. In 2021, Illinois defeated which team 2018 in a game that went nine overtimes and set the record for most overtimes in an NCAA football game. I actually think I know this, but give me the options. Options are Northwestern, Notre Dame, or Penn State. Penn State, final answer. Okay. Let's go over these. Let's go, baby. Jacob versus Jamie. Jamie feeling pretty confident, I think. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Jamal Charles played nine seasons with the Chiefs before playing one season with the Denver Broncos and then finishing his career with which team? Jacob, you said the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jamie, you said the Jacksonville Jaguars. Correct answer is... It's those Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacob did not need the options oh, on that one. 2-1 no. lead for Jacob. Oh. 
in 2021 illinois defeated which team 20 to 18 in a game that went nine overtimes and set the record for most overtimes in an ncaa football game jacob you went penn state jamie you went penn state correct answer is penn state but Jacob didn't need the options. Oh, Mike, I see where this is going. 4-2 lead Son for Jacob a... over Jamie. The last time the Bears won a playoff game, who was their starting quarterback? Jacob, you said, I'm a Bears fan, but I, ah, my friends are going to give me so much crap for this. Mitch Trubisky is who you went with. Jamie, uh. you went Jay Cut. Jay Cutler. Correct answer is... No thanks to Cody Parkey. It would have been Mitch Trubisky, but it's Jay yep. Cutler. Jay yep. Cutler. They beat, they beat Seattle 35-34 in 2011. That was the last time a quarterback won a game for the Bears, playoff game for the Bears. So, Jamie, you now have three points. Jacob has four. Final question. Jake with a 4-3 lead over Jamie. How many NFL games ended in a tie last season? Jacob, you went with one. Jamie, you went with two. Jacob. You have chosen poorly. That's because Jamie did not need the options on that. He did say two. It was Houston and Indy, and it was the New York football Giants versus the Washington Commanders. Jamie wins five to four over jacob today jacob i'm sorry man hey you know what guys it's been a lot of fun thanks for everything you guys do have a good rest of your day hey thanks for everything that you do being a teacher okay seriously I appreciate it jacob well, great job my man thanks jamie take, take it easy guys see you thanks take care guys or jacob Not see you guys. anthony we'll see you me and jamie got the rest of this show we'll take care Okay. Of the right. fast lane. I'd like go to go ahead two, and actually. take a half yeah. day just like Jacob did. He went to the Cardinals game. Yeah, he did. Nice job. Uh, maybe he should go to every game so we can win. Our seriously, all thank you to teachers. Uh, yes. If if you had to deal with, uh, if you have to deal with kids like Jamie was and I was. Whoa. I mean, <laughs> thank you. Okay. Thank you for teaching the youth of America, and in Jamie's case, Canada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice job, Jamie. You, you four, all four, right there. Plus, you nailed the overtime question. You I, knew that one right away. I too. knew that one. Yeah, I don't know why. In my database, it, it's been locked in there for a couple of weeks, and I don't know. It's like I was perusing one day, and I was like, we were having a discussion. Maybe it was the Battle Hawks overtime. When we talked about that, not liking it, and I remember clicking on something, finding out like, well, how many damn ties were there in the NFL last year? And I saw there was two, and it just research just stuck in there. Nice job, kid. Nice job. You, you never know when you're going to need something. About the the point, the Penn State one was that actually came up, I believe, like last week or two weeks ago. Because we were talking about the overtimes. We were talking about it, and BK was my quote-unquote source mm-hmm. that uh, helped us out there. Yeah, because I, I I mentioned there was a college football game a couple of years ago during yep. the pandemic. I'm like, it's just, it wouldn't end. I, and I think it was a couple of Big Ten teams, and BK chimed in there with that. Yeah. All right, so we'll need a new gauntlet contestant tomorrow. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider, will join us next. We'll talk a little Blues hockey, including some thoughts on Jordan Cairo. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. It's the fast lane. It sure is. Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter, our guy Jeremy Rutherford joining us right now. Hi, JR. Hey, buddy. It can't be good if I hear old boy and laughter in the back. Nah, I'm just an idiot. Uh-oh. I'm an idiot. I need sleep. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to be calling Swiss, Swiss Air for some heating and cooling needs, which is the good thing. They just, uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, Jr. The Blues. You gotta tell Jr. what you did. Ice instead of in. Go ahead, Jamie. You you've been laughing. Your head again. Well, well, we were describing how great uh, Swiss Air heating and cooling is, and the the amazing deal they have. And Anthony was talking about. It is an amazing deal. How his hose got kinked, and then that. um, You know the hose. You know the 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 hose for the AC unit. JR. No, uh, no, I don't. No, okay. what hose are you talking about here? Okay. Anthony's hose got kinked, mm-hmm. and then um, uh. he mentioned that Swiss Air Heating and Cooling they they ran that you know that PCP pipe for him <laughs> down there <laughs> <laughs> instead of PVC. And, it's not uh, what I meant, JR. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people are texting asking for the number again. Please give me that number. To, uh huh. They're, the phones are going to ring, and they're going to be like, what is going on? <laughs> Anthony, okay. I, I, know, I know nothing about handiwork, but I know it's not. Uh... Yeah, no. <laughs> PVC. Sorry, JR. You had to, PVC. You, you had to join mm-hmm. us in a very unprofessional moment. He, he does it every week. Every week's an unprofessional oh, moment. Okay. Uh, JR, the Blues. What are they, what are they up to? Anything? <laughs> what are they up to? What are they up to? They're uh, preparing for the draft lottery. They're trying to find a way to sneak into that room and put some extra lotto balls into the uh, draft lottery. There you go. That's what they're doing. Uh, JR, I know recently for The Athletic you wrote about Jordan Cairo. You talked about you know the off season and one of the things that you wrote about, the commitment to winning hockey. And your title was, this This is the NHL, it's not junior. So for Jordan Cairo, what, what stood out to you as he, you know, as he enters the offseason? And what do you think that where he can grow in leaps and bounds this offseason? Yeah, I think it's where we, we've talked about for a number of years here. It's defensively, it's awareness, but it, it goes beyond that. It, there's a lot of small things that you need to do to put your teammates in good positions and put yourself in good positions. And, you know, the tough part with Cairo is you see the talent, you see the 37 goals. Believe me, <laughs> I've been hit with some comments today on the article saying you can't single out Jordan Cairo for what happened this season. The guy scored 37 goals. And my explanation is, look, we've beat up the defense all season. We've beat up Colton Pareko, Torrey Krug, the penalty kill, even Jordan Cairo. But this particular article today is about what Craig Bruby and Doug Armstrong have to say about Jordan Cairo. And I think, you know, in listening to Jordan Cairo the other day as his uh, exit interview, uh, you just hope that even though he's not telling you a lot or saying a lot, you hope that it's sinking in and he can realize how big of a part he can be in this thing if he just adds these things that uh, the coaches are telling him. Jay, I think a lot of – what gets lost in this, and I think what frustrates me, and I don't know about yourself, you've covered the the Blues for a really long time now, so I'm interested to get your take on the fact that people lose sight of 
the fact that Jordan Kyrie was only 24 years old. Like, it's a lot harder to score in the NHL at the clip that he's playing at the last couple of years than it is to add a little more defensive awareness to your game. It really is. And so he's already got that level of offense. And I think we can all sit here and agree that he can, even though what we've seen, he can be a 40-goal guy, a 45, a 50-goal guy. He can be a 100-point player. And to say that about a 24-year-old is incredible. You can't take anything away from him for that. And the defense is going to come. Look, I remember covering a 22, 23, 24-year-old Vladimir Tarasenko, and it wasn't there. Heck, you could go back, you know, David Perron and some other players. Uh, So I don't want to put the onus on him for that. All young players go through it, but you want to see the work ethic. You want to be able to go up to a teammate and say, hey, Kyrie putting in the time, Kyrie really focusing on that stuff, and you want unequivocally for those players to tell you yes. I don't know that that answer is yes right now, and I think that's what the coaching staff, Doug Armstrong and Craig Ruby, are trying to get through to him. So definitely not reason number one, two, three, four, or five. The Blues had the season they had, but he can be a reason that they can be a playoff team next year. Is it possible, JR, that everybody is just putting too much focus and attention on these two young players? And is it is it solely because of the contracts? Like, if you didn't know what they were making or the term, would would the temperature be as elevated, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, probably not. I think once you see that uh, dollar figure, 8.125, start next season for both of them. And look, before we go any further, you know, let's, uh, let's put Robert Thomas in that same category. You know, the numbers... Uh, weren't as great as they were last year. Is that in part they're playing with each other? Is that in part uh, to, to a lot of things that happened with the Blues this season? Uh, it could be, but certainly there's going to be more attention, as you know, uh, with these contracts. And I think the fact that you know a lot of people don't recognize, realize that Doug Armstrong is trying to manage his assets properly and the roster properly by getting these guys signed earlier. You know, a lot of people are going to tell you. Why do he do it so early? Why not make them prove themselves? Well, guess what? They've got another year restricted for agency. You could have a situation like Calgary had in, with uh, Matthew Kachuk, and all of a sudden he's saying, hey, look, I don't want to come back. You know, I'm not demanding a trade, but I'm not going to resign here long term. And then you're in a situation where you have to trade one of these guys. And, oh, by the way, if Jordan Kyrou had 50 points, this, 50 goals, 100 points this season, you know, that number is higher than 8.125. So Doug Armstrong's trying to manage. You're projecting. You don't know how these players are going to turn out. And even though it was a bad year, you know, offensively, what Jordan Cairo does, he had a pretty good year. Jeremy Rutherford is our Blues insider. He's joining us right now on the fast line on 101 ESPN. Chair, what did we haven't had an opportunity to ask you your thoughts about ju- the comments that Justin Falk made, uh, comments that Braden Shen made about it, it's not just what you saw on the ice, the off the ice, that culture. You know, we we need to kind of refocus things. And I, I thought that what they said was. Ultimately, it will be positive if they can point it, get, get pointed in the right direction. But what did you think about those comments? Yeah, for sure. Good on them. Look, that's a room where you got a, a rectangular eight-foot table. They come in, sit down, and they've got 20 lunkheads like myself, uh, you know, the media staring them down, uh, lo- looking for the answers. They don't have to provide the answers. They can just say, hey, it wasn't a good year. We're going to come back and, and try to be a better team next year. But for Justin Falk, Braden Shen, a couple of guys on this roster that I've got a ton of respect for to come out and say what they said and be honest and give some true answers, some true insight to what happened. I don't think they're just speaking to us in the media. I think they're speaking to some of those players on the roster that they believe let that professionalism drop. And they're saying, look, we see it. We saw it all year. We probably addressed it with you in the locker room. Nothing changed. 
and you don't like being in the playoffs, you say that this season stunk and you want to be back in there next year, well, guess what? I've been around for a while, and you need to be a lot more professional than you were if, if you're going to help us get back in there. So, you know, just kudos to these two for stepping up and saying what they said because I think that's the first step to get back where the Blues want to be. JR, I haven't talked to you yet about the, the coaching changes that Doug Armstrong made uh, literally the day following the last game of the season. You know, what do we know as to the reasons why and, you know, what were you surprised by either of those? Yeah, not surprised, uh, and I think I can give you a little bit of context. Doug Armstrong spoke to this a couple days ago. Uh, number one, I think with the situation the Blues were in defensively, they just couldn't get it figured out that uh, a change was going to be made on defense. And, and also, Mike Van Ryan, even though he didn't start the year with the penalty kill, and look, all the penalty kill problems weren't Mike Van Ryan's, you could kind of sense that there was going to be a move made there. But look, this is a guy that helped bring a Stanley Cup to St. Louis, so he deserves a ton of credit with what he's been able to do for this uh, organization for the past number of years. And then with Craig McTavish, you know, I thought it was pretty uh, enlightening what Doug said about that situation. He said he brought in Craig McTavish because he's been there, he's done that, he's got all this experience. You know, he felt that this was going to be a Stanley Cup contending team, Doug Armstrong did, and he felt that Craig McTavish could bring some of that experience to that type of group. But once you lose eight in a row and once you don't get any traction on your season, now all of a sudden you got Craig McTavish. What's he supposed to do, you know, but put his arms up in the air? How can he help a group that, that's floundering uh, when he was brought in to kind of add to that wealth of experience? So I think that's part of the reason why Craig McTavish probably didn't help out as much as Doug Armstrong was hoping for. JR, we appreciate you, man. Great stuff as always. And we'll continue to talk to you through the, throughout the offseason, which should be maybe not a busy offseason for the Blues, but certainly an important one. Yeah, for sure. We got uh, just a shameless plug, uh, two report cards coming out the next couple of days. We'll hit the forwards tomorrow at the Athletic, and then on Friday we'll have the uh, defensemen, the goalies, the GM, and the coach. Excellent. Good stuff, Jared. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks boys. That's our guy Jeremy Rutherford here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Did the win over Cincinnati last weekend prove that City has ultimate staying power, not only in the MLS, but the top of the standings in their conference? It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's been interesting to watch City SC's season unfold because they start off, of course, red hot. They win five games. <laughs> Jamie, your microphone okay there? I look over and Jamie's just moving his microphone up and down. Well, when I pull it down, it just goes all the way up. It's good, Jamie. The more I mess with it, the higher it goes. It's right. Weird. It's interesting. Yeah. Anyways, as you were. Mm-hmm. So this, so City SC starts off five and zero, and some people are talking. But some are like, "Well, you know what? Nice start. This is great. Some own goals mixed in." Why do you always go back to You've that? You've got My some. God. Cut it loose, man. Okay, Jamie. <laughs> just cut it loose. Can bro. I set the scene just a little bit? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Just a little bit. I'm passionate soccer guy here. I'm. I'm not going to it. I'm just. I'm just setting it up. All right. Can okay. I set up one? Well, go ahead and do damn it. Damn. 
segment before I screw up another live read. <laughs> Stay on. Can I? Yeah, go ahead. So City SC starts off 5-0. and Some of the talk is, ah, lock this, that, and the other thing. Okay. Then they then they face Minnesota. Clean sheet for Minnesota in a 1-0 victory. Seattle also produces a clean sheet against St. Louis. 3-0. Then Cincinnati comes to, comes to town. And Cincinnati, of course, has played very well this season. You look at the, the MLS standings, and Cincinnati is off to, uh, again, a great start. And City SC... Takes them behind, through, and up on the woodshed. Mm-hmm. Five, five, one victory, and the go- one goal that they scored, I'm pretty sure since St. Uh, Louis said, you know what, we'll just give this one to you because we feel bad for you. Did that win over Cincinnati prove that City's got staying power at the top of the of the conference? Was that because the five, the five, the five victories? Okay, some of those, some of those games came against you know the. the not the greatest of opponents, apparently. I'm learning. I'm learning soccer. I'm learning the MLS, but the opponents weren't necessarily great. And the manner that they were doing it, you know, you got kind of off to a hot start. You had some own goals and all that crap. But you take Cincinnati to the woodshed in the manner that they did, and the way that they continue to play an aggressive, attacking style, forcing mistakes from good opponents, bad opponents. Do you, Jamie, think that this this team has staying power atop the MLS standings? Yeah, I don't see how you can't at this point because the yeah but yeah but crowd, I, they've they've kind of pushed through that. They pick a team now that they just beat a really good Cincinnati team. They've got big victories this year. Well, first of all, they're an expansion team. So let's just isolate that for a second. Not as like a, hey, oh, you get a ribbon because you're playing better than we thought. But they've won some big games this year already. And they're not slowing down. Yeah, they had a couple of losses where things weren't ideal for them. But they're not slowing down. What I'm learning, too, more and more as I watch and I listen, is that the way they play, their style of play, is really difficult for other teams if City SC scores first. But that constant hounding and that pressure and that work ethic that they have. And listening to Taylor Twalman was on with the opening drive or man, the balloon party, actually, I think is where he was on. And um, he talked about it. He said as soon as City SC got up early in that game against Cincinnati, he knew it's this is going to be tough for Cincinnati. And they had to open up the game, and they had to press more. And what did SC do? They just responded with hard play, good touches, putting the ball into good areas where guys could run into the ball, little give-and-goes. They're fantastic. Some of their set plays were awesome. They really were. And so I'm watching this team that is no longer, in my opinion, just an expansion team. This is a competitive team. And the fact that they're beating some of these top-notch teams that are not expansion teams that have had the luxury of putting together a roster, tweaking a roster, bringing in players, moving players, cutting ties with certain players to get to where they are now. And City SC is literally this is, hey, this is our roster. We're going to have to go with this with these guys here. Mm-hmm. Bradley Carnell's vision from the very first time we talked to him, I remember way back when, he talked about how he was going to pick like Herb Brooks, pick the right players, not necessarily the most talented, flashy players. And that's what he's done. Top to bottom in this lineup, 
is guys that are hard workers. Your best player, like Klaus. We talk Klausdale. We, I'm watching him today and at practice, and it ain't pretty. Like he runs around. He looks like more of a linebacker than anything. But how good is that guy? He makes great plays. He works extremely hard. He's leading out there. You know, our guy uh, Kyle Hebert, he's taking some great strides this year. He had an opportunity to go play with the Canadian national team, which is a huge honor and a massive accomplishment. That's a player on an expansion team here for City SC. Hmm. So I don't fall into the group of people that is, you know, still like waiting. I don't know. I fall into the group of people that's optimistic. I feel like this team, even if they go 500 for the rest of the year, like, that's a competitive team. I think this team makes the playoffs this year. Yeah, I do too. It was interesting listening to the the announcers, too, in the last game. It wasn't that surprise factor anymore. It wasn't It wasn't that surprise. Well, this, you know, hey, this team, boy, isn't this a good story? The way that the announcers were breaking down how Kyle Hebert recognized the way that Cincinnati's defenders were – you know, positioned and how Kyle Heber kind of peeled off the back shoulder and came back and put himself in position to score yep. that goal or the turnover that occurred that led to uh, the goal by Giochini, Giochini, that, you know, the, the way that the, the, that city is playing, like you're saying that pressure, that pressure style, it wasn't, it's not just a, well, you know, Hey, uh, good teams make their own luck. They are, they're, they're breaking down, how city is is operating and, and putting putting that pressure on opponents and just listening to the announcers this past week compared to previous city games it sounds like it's clicking with with guys that know what they're talking about too i i don't know i don't yeah people I, who know the game right are speaking in terms of a team that yeah they they're starting to believe yeah does that make sense of it's, course not, it it's does. not hey this is a nice story man city looked at it's it's a look at this look at the breakdown look at the, look at the way that since look at the way they challenged cincinnati here i just thought that was interesting so well they've got a big challenge ahead of them now it's a different kind of challenge uh their their next opponent is colorado rapids they're not great. Colorado is, you know, one and three right now with four draws, minus five on the goal differential. So we talked to Kyle Hebert about that earlier this week. He said, you know, that's a different kind of challenge. And he said, yeah, if we're not ready or we take our opponent lightly, there's a couple things that come into play here. One is they're going to be playing at altitude. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. This team plays that pressure style of soccer. Too cool. At high altitude, you're only allowed a minimum amount of substitutions in the game. It's going to be interesting to see how they handle that and if they make any kind of changes to their style of play based on the fact that it feels like you're breathing through a straw when you're playing at high altitude. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the challenge of keeping that mindset, uh, I guess it's easy to always raise your game for bigger opponents. And City SC, although they're an expansion team, this is a game where they're looking at it going, well, we're the favorite. So how do you adjust to that? How do you play now as the favorite, and how does it look at altitude? Yeah. No, it's going to be a, interesting to watch it. It's a good question. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stoltz. It's the Fast Line on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals get it done today against the Diamondbacks. They had dropped the first two games of the series, but their offense came to play today in a 14-5 victory. We'll talk about some of the highlights from the game told you tell you who had the the big performances offensively and also break down uh, another outing for Jake Woodford next on 101 ESPN 
We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Swing, drive, hammer, deep right. That's a grand slam. Storm and Garden, he's taking the league by storm. Chip Carey on the call for Bally Sports Midwest as the Cardinals roll today against the Diamondbacks 14-5. Nolan Gorman hit a grand slam coming off the bench. It was Gorman's first career uh, hit with the bases loaded. Not even home run. It was first career hit for Nolan Gorman with with the bases loaded. He now has five home runs and 67 plate appearances this season. And as we've talked about, you know, can he get more ABs against left-handed pitching? He he needs to. I mentioned this yesterday, guys. He cannot be. The way that Nolan Gorman is swinging the bat, I don't think that this is just a hot streak. He'll cool off at some point, sure. But he looks like a completely different hitter. He cannot be a five-inning player for you. You can't. Nolan Gorman is exactly who we were told he was going to be. When he was coming up through the system, John Mosaloc and the Cardinals organization said, we got a guy with some serious power. Serious power. The problem is he plays third base. We're going to have to try and figure something out here. Mm -hmm. So it didn't work out great last year. Still, we say that, right? And sometimes I have to catch myself here, too. He still ended up with, what, 14 home runs last year? I think it could be wrong, probably, but close. Somewhere in there, that's not nothing. And you look at him this year, he made some significant changes in the offseason, changed his leg kick, and, and certainly his approach at the plate. is His eye for the strike zone is night and day compared to what it was last year. So his pitch recognition, whether it's location or actual pitch, is fantastic. But that comes with the maturation of the player. That comes with reps. That comes with at-bats. Yep. So I'm not surprised to see him have the success that he's having. Maybe I'm a little bit surprised because this is a lot of success. He's playing very well. But I guess overall I'm not shocked, Mm -hmm. okay? I just don't know why you don't give him a chance against left-handed pitching. Like, I'm not comparing him to Albert Pujols or Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado, but, like, you don't take those guys out of the game when the the righties are in there. Right. Like Albert last year, I know, predominantly started against lefties. So if that's your argument. But by the end of the year, he was out there against everybody. But in his in his, in his youth, heyday, in his prime, yeah, yeah, he, he was he was an everyday player. And I'm not comparing Nolan Gorman to Arenado or Goldie, but right now his at bat numbers are pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. And he did have 14 home runs last year, Jamie. You were right. And not only are you taking him out against those lefties, like we've talked about him getting those reps, but you're taking him out in key situations twice in the ninth inning, down by one run yesterday, and then down by three, I believe, the other night. So you're getting, you're not giving him those those pressure situations when we've seen so far this season that he has been one of the better hitters on this team in those key pressure situations Mm -hmm. yeah i mean look if if you're in a tight game whether it's tied or especially if it's tied but if it's if it's just close one one run up one run down and you replace him in a spot that does not produce 
and you go into extras, and now you don't have Gorman in your lineup, I think that's a mistake. We don't, we're not privy to all the information. Perhaps he's not comfortable with lefties. They've got, you know, Cardinals got all the metrics and all that stuff. It's just like, nah, you always overwhelmed by him. I don't know. How do you but know? it doesn't make sense. When's the last time he hit against one? Great point. It doesn't make sense to me to have him be, you know, a pinch hitter. Or, uh, I'm sorry, doesn't make sense for him to get replaced by a pinch hitter late in a game that's close, given the fact that this kid is one of your better hitters now. And the thing with last night's game, Nolan Gorman is pinch hit for Nolan Arenado, and it's Nolan Arenado, so you don't feel as bad. But you look at Lars Newtbar's at bat, he gets on base, and the numbers can say whatever they want, but Andrew Chafin was not finding the strike zone. He was not on it last night. And by them going out to the mound visit, you bring Arnado out. Who You made that move for them. Now you bring a righty-on-righty matchup instead of that lefty-on-lefty matchup mm-hmm. where Chafin does not have what he usually has. He, he There's two guys on base already, and, you know, you, you go from there. But I don't know. Like, you just... It just bothers me that you're not giving this kid the reps that he needs. Well, he did hit the Grand Slam today after coming off the bench. Tommy Edmond missed the cycle by a single. How about that? That's so normally, crazy. That's not usually the one you're no, missing. No, normally it's the triple you're missing. Tommy Edmond misses the cycle by a single. He drove in five runs today in the victory. He finished uh, the triple shy of a cycle a week ago against the Rockies. Far better opportunity today with only the single that he needed, but he grounded out in his final at bat in the six, left on deck with the final when the final out was made in the bottom of the eighth. So unfortunately for Edmund, didn't get an, one more opportunity to hit that single hit for the cycle. Nonetheless, his average is now 274. His, his slash line is 274, 366, 435 in 72 plate appearances. I wonder at some point, guys, if you don't move Tommy Edmund up in the lineup. You could. I don't mind him in the ninth spot, but if if he's swinging the bat and he's he's getting extra extra base hits like he's had over the last two weeks now, I, I'd rather have him in a in a higher spot, if not leadoff. Tommy Edmond. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Not, maybe not right now. I mean, but at some point he's been there before, so obviously the the thought of that is not crazy, especially with Donovan being out for yeah. the time being. Yep. I would agree. If Donnie's, if Donnie's not out, I don't see why you remove him as your leadoff guy. With, with the way he works pitchers and counts, and the way he's annoying. <laughs> really though, I, I, I know you what know, you're saying. That's the guy I want to throw the pitcher off mm-hmm. right away, and he's got a little bit of pop. But his OBP is is really good, and that's what you want. You get him out there, and then you you know roll out whoever you want behind him, whether it's Burleson or Newt Bar or. Like I'd like to see Gorman in the two hole. I really would. I'd like to see what that looks like to have Donovan, Gorman, Goldie, Arenado, Contreras work your way down. But yeah. you know the protection. We talk about that. Like who do you pick your poison there? Let's say Donnie gets on base. Now what? You got Gorman, who's one of the hottest bats the Cardinals have, if not the hottest bat. Then you got Goldie and Arenado, two MVP candidates. Yep. And Contreras, who is and Contreras, on fire who's, he's he's playing great. Right you got to keep Nude up there, though. The guy just gets on base, whether it's walks, singles. So every everything. Okay, so we just mentioned a bunch of names, right? 
this this plays into the larger point of when you get your opportunities, and the Cardinals have had plenty of opportunities with runners in scoring position, when they deliver, they put up crooked numbers consistently. I shouldn't say consistently. That's that's the problem. It's been inconsistent. When they, they, get, they get those opportunities and they have these types of games where they're driving in runners, it's like 10-plus runs. That's the difference between what we've seen, what we saw today, and what we have seen in previous games now where they're they're just it's it just seems like one constant struggle and then either the bullpen or the starter falters and all of a sudden it's a five run game as opposed to you know a one or two run game but this lineup players player wise is really good and really talented and I do like the depth I like what the lineup provides from a pop standpoint from a speed standpoint from the ability uh, the hitters, you know, to 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 have that gap to gap power, you know, doubles, all of that smart, instinctive hitters like Paul Goldschmidt. I like this lineup a lot. But can they deliver with runners in scoring position? That was the difference today. He scored 14 runs. In the last couple of games, you know, it's three and four, which is okay, but not with this pitching staff the way that it currently is. More Cardinals baseball next. We're we watching baseball's version of the blues now. Marsh, what the hell? What's what's going on with this question here you got? Here. 14 runs 14 today. runs today. Guys, I made this before they scored 14 runs. That makes sense. Wow. That's next on 101 ESPN. Pivot. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, when Marsh was in a bad mood last night, he decided to pitch a topic for our 5 o'clock hour, which is typically a polarizing segment centered on Jack Flaherty. But Marsh, you were ticked off last night. You said, are we watching baseball's version of the Blues? One, I didn't appreciate that. Right off the top, I was like, the negativity. If you're not happy with the Cardinals, why don't you just leave the Blues alone type thing? You know, you got to Is it one of those candle things? Yeah, yeah, don't burn out it. the candle. Yeah, BT was uh, talking about blowing candles out the other day. Yeah, don't don't blow mine to make yours bigger. Yeah, I, the, the that, I think that's what he's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Marsh, mm-hmm. what do you mean by the blues? The, the the baseball's version of the blues. Well, you know, we got some Team text that's not messages. Not going to make the playoffs. Some text messages the other day, and it got me got me thinking because you know the text lines got some good. Some good insight as well. Uh, and it just made me wonder, you know, you look at Twitter, you look at all these oh, rankings boy. early on in the season of the Cardinals' top five offense, you know, they're a top top five team, you know, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And, like, they just haven't been what the preseason predictions, rankings have, have made them out to be so far. Um, and I felt like we thought the same thing with the Blues. And we've been saying – so far this season, oh, the Cardinals are going to turn around. Look at the back of the baseball cards. Look at the back of the baseball cards. The Cardinals are turning around. The numbers will even out. We were saying the same things with the Blues. Like, oh, the Blues are fine. Like, you know, they'll be fine, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And they, they never were. It never got to the point where they ended up turning things around. And I'm wondering if we'll see similar things with this team, with this Cardinals team. Granted, there's a lot of season left. And maybe I'm doing that right now by saying they'll be fine. There's a ton of season left. 
but it just got the you know the wheel spinning, the little hamster wheel in my head, and I'm sure. thinking, are we going to see something similar? Okay, so let's go back to what we all believed in in spring training. So what what did you guys believe in when it came to the offense in spring training? What did I think? Yeah, what did you what did you believe in? Because for me, you know, okay, so for me, the offense, I believe that this offense was legit and had could could be on the same level as some of the top offenses in the National League. That's where I was in the in the National League, and I and I firmly believed it. Didn't question it. I firmly believed they could have one of the best offenses in the National League. Where were you on the offense, Jamie, in spring training? About the same as you. Okay. I thought to myself, watching well, watching Jordan Walker emerge, watching Mason Wynn play, Nolan Gorman, all the I was like, and Dylan Carlson at the time, I was hitting the ball really well in spring training. Thought to myself, this could be the deepest lineup we've seen in a really long time for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Contreras, all this stuff. I was like, man, we're gonna have some offense. Thank God, because we're not gonna have pitching. Okay, <laughs> well, we'll get to the pitching in a second, Marsh. I was really excited about the offense, and, and they showed today like what yeah. they can do. Okay. Pitching-wise, what did you believe with this pitching staff? Because for me, I believed that you're not going to win anything of significance. You might win a series, but when it comes to this pitching staff and, and, and the fact that you don't have a couple of top-end arms to compete with the Mets, the Padres, the Dodgers, whoever, Phillies, you're not going to get very far. But I do believe during the regular season, you have more than enough quality pitching to win the NL Central. That's what I believed in spring training. What about for you guys with the pitching? I felt the I felt like the Cardinals were going to be just fine, um, just fine because the rotation is going to be fine, right? Just like that, and that they're defensively the Cardinals would be good enough to um, to overcome maybe some of the pitching. Now, home runs are a problem. Tough to catch those ones. But overall, I thought we were going to be – it wasn't going to be an issue Marsh? until the playoffs. Right. Then I was like, eh. yeah, right. I thought the same thing. I think we're all in the same wavelength. I, I thought the bullpen would be better, though. I had a lot of faith in the bullpen to sort of bolster mm-hmm. uh, and make up for maybe what you don't have with the starting pitching. It seems like so far this year the bullpen is kind of adding to that mess. Right. Okay. So taking that into consideration, the fact that they're 8-11 and 11 right now after today's win, yes, it's surprising that they're 8-11. and 11, But based on where you were in spring training to where you are now, what is your belief? Because I still believe that this Cardinals offense is legit. I still believe that this pitching staff is better than what it has shown but I do have more concerns now about the starting staff than I did in spring training. And the bullpen, if I take a step back, I look at really two guys, Jordan Hicks and Andre Pallante. Hicks has been take, has been completely removed out of high-leverage situations unless it's a spot where guys aren't available, and Pallante's now down in Memphis. So I think the bullpen issue, it's not a bullpen problem. It's, it's kind of a two-guy problem. In other words, I don't know if they're that far off, despite the record, from where I thought they, you know, like the belief factor in spring training. So, Marsh, getting back to it, you said, could this be a situation just like the Blues, where we kept thinking that things were going to turn around and it never happened? Okay, fair. What do you, what what would you believe would lead you to think that this this team would not turn around at all? 
the way they're playing inconsistent. I see the inconsistent, mm-hmm. um, the inconsistencies in their game, and it 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 really does remind me of the Blues season to where certain games, the Blues look wow, this team's turning around, they're turning a corner, and then three in a row they drop, and then they'd win two in a row and lose four in a row, mm-hmm. and you'd have players that were inconsistent as well. The whether it would be you know some of the offensive play or the defensive play or the special teams. So when I watch the Cardinals so far this year, not that they're a mirror image of what the Blues were this year, but it's eerily similar as far as being inconsistent from game to game. Okay. That's exactly what it is. I do believe the Cardinals right now have probably more leadership, I would say, then the Blues, I know that was kind of a, a, a conversation. It seemed like the the Blues never found that, that leadership throughout the season. Um, but I feel like that's in the clubhouse right now. Maybe not leadership. Maybe leadership's not the word, but like the, the culture. It seemed like the Blues lost that culture. Maybe that was due to losing leadership. Who knows? I feel like the Cardinals still have that culture, but it really comes down to the consistency and what happens if you start losing players to injury, which tends to happen? Already lost Brendan Donovan for a few days. Mm-hmm. Like, w- what happens when you're playing inconsistent and then injuries start to pile up? And then next thing you know, you're a few games behind. Next thing you're like nine games out of first place. And it's like June. You know, what are you going to do there? For me, I think I think with the Blues, more so than the Cardinals right now, and it's still early with the Cardinals, but for the Blues, I think there was too, too many players that were that were underperforming. Let's not forget too before you before he was traded he was banged up and and Ryan O'Reilly was not having a great season he he wasn't he was he was underperforming and he he's injured and then of course you made the right move to to trade him your your top four defensemen outside of Justin Falk under underachieved at various points during the season Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas coming off the big contract I know that uh, Jamie's broken this down great when it comes to Cairo. And him being your top scorer, I mean, the, the 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 goals were there for him. Early in the season, that was a big topic of conversation, like the underachieving nature of two guys that you're paying a lot of money to. You can the, the list goes on. You can talk about guys that were under underachieving with the Blues. When I look at the Cardinals, I think Palante has underachieved. Miles Michaelis obviously has underachieved. Matt's he's underachieved. Based on his his resume, so you go there, and then Jordan Hicks is vastly underachieved. Is there another player that has vastly underachieved to this point? If you go up and down the the, the roster for the Cardinals, roster or pitching staff, roster. Because <clears throat> I don't think I don't think this team has va- I don't think there's players that are vastly under un, underachieving right now. That to me would be a bigger issue. Than the than than the win loss record, because that would be an indication like okay these this guy's got to get going. Goldschmidt's having a good start. Arnado's having a, having a pretty good start. Jordan Walker, okay, slow you know he, he, good start. Slug you know struggle a little bit. Had a really nice day today. Tommy Edmond is heated up. Wilson Contreras is heated up. Jack Flaherty has been has been more competitive than most of your starters. Still not great. Don't get me wrong. Still isn't where you need to be. But you're talking about Michaelis, Mats. Palance Hicks, vastly underachieving from what we thought. Yeah, but that's a big problem. 
That's a big problem when two of those guys are what you you were expecting to be at the top of your rotation. Sure. Michaelis and Matts were supposed to be two and three on this team, or one, depending on where you rank Flaherty, Michaelis, those two guys, what day of the week it is. Mm-hmm. And you've got Flaherty and Montgomery that are the two guys that, I know Montgomery didn't have a great night last night, but overall for the season, those are the two guys right now you're like, okay, I'm okay with what's going on here. After that, you're three, four, five in the rotation. There's no faith there. Mm-hmm. And that's where the inconsistency comes in there at, at some point because they're the reason that you're struggling right now. And I know the offense has gone cold at certain times, but overall the offensive numbers are are fine. They yep. should be winning more. But your pitching has cost you games already in this season, and it doesn't look like it's getting better. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like Michaelis has yeah. to start showing that he's going to turn a corner here. Steven Matz has to turn a corner. Uh, you know, Woodruff was okay today. Woodruff, Woodruff should I, I've said this all the entire time. Wayno's working his way back. Woodruff should not be in the rotation. He earned it here but in he the is spot. Right now. I understand, but he shouldn't be. He should. He's not going to be. He's not going to be. It's no, either going to be Wainwright or it's going to be somebody else, and but it should be. That's the problem. Is you got a guy like Jake Woodford in your rotation right now because right. you have well, to. They suck. You know, <laughs> the, the Cardinals suck. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, this is. I, no, I, I try to provide a little <laughs> optimism for you. It's early. You guys win. Well, much like the uh, the pitching uh, will overthrow the, white flag. the offense, right uh, our negativity will overthrow your positivity. We get a text from the three one four eleven. Got to be in fourth place all year. There you go. Did I say Woodruff again? Yeah. Sorry, PCP. Woodford. I may have said Woodruff, too, though. I think we both did. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know what? We'll get to the if he starts the pitch. Well, um, from the, the 314. Uh, that's even worse. <laughs> Grab a notebook. Should have just said Woody. Stay safe. Yeah. That's even worse. If you can't identify people that are underperforming, that means people are performing and they still aren't winning. Well, that's why you got to fire the manager and the the GM and (laughs) (laughs) and replace the uh, president. It's Pop Warner's fault waving guys in like nothing. uh, You know, I think think when they start firing people and they start trading guys, I think then real change will happen. So, hey, Anthony, as (laughs) a wise man once said, be patient. Be patient for what? More crap baseball? So, oh, Anthony, hey, you gotta stop being oh so God, negative. You flip. Well, I mean, do you, do you Jamie guys, you and I are the only ones being positive here <laughs> and consistent. And consistent. <laughs> yep. You guys win. All right. Sports six pack is next. 314 399 9646, the Air Comfort Service text line. Got a question? Send it in. And uh, yeah, we'll hit it in our sports six pack. Wish we had Woodruff. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me. The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. All right, time for the Sports Six back in the fast lane with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Go ahead, Marsh. Question number one. All righty. All righty. From the... Uh... <laughs> 
Sorry. From the <sighs> 618. Guys, please explain why lefties can't hit lefties, but right-handed hitters have no issues against right-handed pitchers. Anthony, the resident baseball guy, go ahead. <laughs> There's a lot more right-handed hitters or a lot more right-handed pitchers in the league than uh, there are lefties. So you're going to get more opportunities and the the odds increase that you're going to face more right, right-handers. You're going to be more comfortable against right, right-handers. To the nature of the question, I, I understand it kind of plays into what we're talking about with Nolan Gorman and you know him not being allowed to face lefties. The, the situation doesn't come up as much where you have to worry about him being out of the lineup. Today, you had a lefty and Baumgartner being on the hill. I wish he had the opportunity to face Baumgartner. He's not very good right now. I mean, he hasn't been on the last couple of years. My bigger issue with it is not Nolan Gorman starting against a lefty, but being pulled fifth inning, sixth inning, because there's a nasty lefty on the hill, and then you've got the entire game to go, and you don't have one of your best hitters. I said this yesterday, I'll continue to say it. I don't think that Gorman should be a five-inning player. I think that's a huge mistake, and I think you should allow him to face lefties, get more comfortable, and start mashing pitchers from that throw both righty and Yeah, like what's the downside to letting him figure it out? What if he ha- what if he does figure it out? What if he has success? Now you don't have to take this guy out of the lineup. You don't have to restrict his playing time because of who's on the bump. And the other team now can't sit there and manipulate who they're going to face in a big moment. If Gorman's up there and you got runners in scoring position and they said, man, you know what? Let's go to a lefty. Take the bat right out of this guy's hands. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't understand. Until he fails, why would you not let him try? I understand not wanting him in the lineup today because the lefty lefty matchup you have a lineup full of righties but when that guy that you're inserting into the lineup is is taylor motter which no offense to taylor motter but nolan gorman is swinging the bat better than he is what's your problem with taylor you know taylor knows too question number two never mind from the 314 should the cards look to trade some outfield depth for pitching yes not right now you're just not gonna find it right not now. right now don't do anything right now you can't you won't be able to no there's not a deal there's not a be there's not a deal to be made right now i it, we're gonna get this question a lot i think we have gotten this question a lot i get it jamie gets it marsh gets it yes they should trade trade from depth to get a pitcher there's no there's no pitcher right now that's going to make a significant difference to solve your issues so you're just going to have to wait on this Question number three. Uh, one of the burning questions of the day from the 314. Best flavor of ice cream. And if you don't say Rocky Road, you're lying. It's definitely not Rocky, Rocky Road for me. Rocky Road is good, but I, I wouldn't say it's the best. Mm. The one, I'll tell you what, man. The one uh, uh, Ben and Jerry's got the fish food. That one's awesome. What? Yeah. Fish it's unreal. God. It oh, sounds appetizing for sure. Well, uh. It's chocolate ice cream base. Fish yeah. food. Little, uh, like, I know it says, I know it's caramel. not fish food. Oh, but it's spelled little, with a P. Uh, well, yeah. Little, some of those, some of those uh, chocolate fish. Chocolate, yeah, it's like a chocolate fish. Chocolate in there, man, it's good. It's solid. A chocolate fish? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. As Marsh says, it's not fish. Like, 
F-I-S-H. Oh, I was going to say, like, fish are friends, not food. Right, right. right. I learned that from a documentary growing up mm-hmm. about uh, a young boy who was lost, and his father and a, f- a companion went and found him all the way on a different continent. They really? traveled to a different continent to find this kid. Talk about the love there between father and son. No hmm. doubt. I yeah. have not seen this documentary. I'm sure you have. Oh. Hmm. It's about mm. fish? Yeah. They Fishing? found they found the kid. Is he alive? The whole documentary is about finding this kid. Hmm. Yeah, mm. I believe... Um, He's sort of a clown, the father was. Yeah. This kid was too, but... Yeah, I, they found him... Um, I believe they found him up... It wasn't the coast of Australia? It was somewhere over there, yeah. yeah. I remember that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I like vanilla. Mm, the old Carl Gunnarsson. Yeah. Ice cream. You know why, Anthony? You can make vanilla whatever you want it to be that day. That's what I like. I like options. I like uh, flexibility within my ice cream. Yeah, I like ice cream that you absolutely have to dress up so it tastes good. Good call, Jamie. Yeah. Good call. So your, your fish food, right? If you yeah. wanted to make... Fish food. You could take your vanilla ice cream and add all those other things, and you get your fish food. And then you're not limited to only fish food ice cream. The next day, you can just put some chocolate sauce on it. The next day after that, you put strawberries, chopped up cherries, whatever. Yeah. You can make it what you need it to be. You're, That's why I like vanilla ice cream. Fish food's got the base of chocolate ice cream. That's number one. Number uh, two, five. the vanilla ice cream sits in your freezer forever. You got the freezer burn on there because you don't have the 482 ingredients that you need to dress it up. That's just false. It's That's a foolish mistake. not true. You don't have any idea how long ice cream sits in my freezer. Maybe at the Stalter house, that's how you roll. Not at my house. Not up in here. Vanilla sits forever. I don't even need ice cream. Uh, simple cookies and cream. No, not cookie cookies dough. And cream. Cookie dough solid. Whatever. Cookies question and cream. number four. Thank you. Mint chocolate chip solid. Uh, question from the two one seven. Two one seven asks: Do you think Ollie uh, would be let go, fired if the team is still struggling close to the trade deadline? Uh, no, I don't. What about after the trade? No, a year and a half in. No, I don't think he's going to get let go because the team is underachieving at that point. No, I don't. It's my projection. That's my prediction. No. What was the question? If Ollie's going to get let go, if the team is struggling at the trade deadline. No, not this soon. They'll fire somebody else. though. Send a message. Question number five. <laughs> Probably will. They let go of this guy. Who is that? No, don't you worry. He was the problem. It's the bullpen coach. No. He was getting it all wrong. <laughs> he's, getting, he's getting all the mistakes out yeah. there. He was picking up the phone wrong. <laughs> Mixing up the messages. He let it ring three times instead of two. Yeah, it's unacceptable. It's not prepared. From the 636. Uh, yesterday, you guys were talking about Matt Dumba and his hit on Joe Pavelski. What about Michael Bunting and his hit to Tampa Bay Lightning's defenseman Eric Chernak? Yeah, that was a bad hit. Like, 
he stops dead in his tracks, launches himself backwards with an elbow to the face on the guy when the puck isn't even in the same area code. Didn't sound good. No, it was a, it was a dirty play. Uh, Bunting took a five-minute penalty, and I believe Tampa scored two goals on that power play because they scored one goal, then the coach challenged it, turned into a five-on-three, scored another goal, and it just like kept going. But yeah, no, it, it's not not close to being the same type of hit. At least Matt Dumba's was part of the play, albeit late was still part of the play. These guys were headed towards the puck, and he just stopped dead in his tracks and launched himself backwards with an elbow in the face and, and put a player out for the game. So, um, yeah, tough one there. Bunting, uh, I haven't seen yet, but he's supposed to have a hearing with the league. Uh, but Tampa, as much as they put an absolute beating on the Maple Leafs last night, they're in trouble. They lost Victor Hedman and Chernak last night, who were two of their top four defensemen. We'll see uh, see how they work their way out of that one. They'll be fine. Probably. It's Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> Question number <laughs> six. First round. By the way, uh, one of the texters texted in earlier today saying that I cursed the Maple Leafs. Uh, I, March, I'm not going to put that one on you. I mean, I think they had their own curse. That's fair. Humming for a while there, that's you know. Fair. Yeah, I probably didn't help though. But uh, <laughs> from six one eight, realistically, how long do you guys think Goldie can play at this top tier level before age catches up? Ooh, what is he? 34? 35? Yeah, how old's Goldie uh, now? I think he's thirty-five. Well, this just in, literally one minute ago. Toronto's Michael Bunting has been suspended for three games or a legal check to the head. So there you go. There's your update there's, on that Yeah, one. there's your, right. Uh, he's 35. Paul Goldschmidt is 35 what, years old. What, do you have two old. years left on this deal? Or is uh, next year's last year? I think next year's his last year. Hmm. Let me check on that contract. I think that he probably plays, let's see here. He's, no, he's got two more years. Okay. So he'll have till he's 37 at the end of this yes. deal? Yes. Uh, he will be 37 as a free agent. So, okay, hold on. Time out. He's got this year. Yeah. And next, next year. year. Yeah. And then, yes, he becomes a free agent in 2025. So still 37. Woof. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't think I don't think he'd get more than... I th- here's, here's what, what I would do if I At what point does he just become a DH? Uh, like, look at Albert. Yeah. He hasn't had injuries, though, and I think, for, you know, first base, not a lot of... Not, not a position of wear and tear. If, if I'm the Cardinals... This year, he's, you know, he's having another good year. If next year, he's having a good year. At that point, I might go, unless he had just a, like another MVP season next year, I, I would I would ask Goldie if he'd, if he'd be okay going year to year. Or I'd give him a two-year deal. A two-year deal, second-year second year option. Very, very team-friendly second year. There you go. You know, with, with a bunch of incentives in it. Either that or, hey, we'll go one, we'll go year to year with you. And then that way you're putting in a spot where maybe you're paying more, but you're paying more because you're not you're not guaranteeing anything outside of that that year. But Anthony, that's that's we, what I would do. We might need that money though for starting pitching. You're not any money on starting pitching, Marsh. Look at this pitching staff. You're going to be fine. Uh, can you imagine if we still had a starting pitching problem years down the road? Uh, it'd be bad. Yeah, it'd be real bad, Marsh. All right, we've got the biggest question of the day next on One Hundred and One ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. 
Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Jamie Rivers here, Andrew Marsh, Anthony Stalter. It's time for biggest question of the day. Marshy, I know you have perused our wonderful text line, the mic drops, the internet, Twitter, everywhere. What is our biggest question of the day? Yeah, the biggest question of the day comes from Gary. And the question is, how far off are the Blues from these playoff teams? Well, Gary, thank you for the question. It's a great question. Um, here's what here's what I know to be true. And based off of everything that we have talked about for a lengthy period of time, but specifically since the season's been over, and hearing Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube talk about this, inconsistent play is going to hold them back. And when you watch these teams right now in the playoffs, and I know, Marsha, you've been watching it religiously as well. Oh, yeah. They're sacrificing. Like, there's no such thing as not back-checking. There's no such thing as not blocking a shot. No such thing as not competing. Not No such thing as an okay turnover at the far blue line. Like, none of that happens. Man, even Vladimir Tarasenko is back-checking last night because he knows what it takes to win a Stanley Cup and him and Patrick Kane they're going to bring that kind of element to the Rangers who are very close to being a Stanley Cup contending team getting to that final like we saw last year they made it to the Eastern Conference final maybe they are uh, a few players away from that now I just pointed out two guys that are very good offensively, but that's what it comes down to. Those players that you don't expect to lay it out all on the line to do things like that, that ends up giving you, uh, getting you to uh, the promised land. So a perfect example, if we isolate the Maple Leafs Tampa Bay Lightning series, and it's early in all of these series. I mean, everybody's played one game at this point, but you watch Kucherov, Stamkos, Braden Point, Sergachev, Headman, although he got injured, but you watch all of these guys who have won cups and they're out there blocking shots, making the little plays that help the team, taking hits to make a play. And then the flip side of it, you watch the Toronto Maple Leafs who have not had any playoff success at all here for a long time. And they've got a, a massively talented group. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, I mean, Nylander, you go down the line. And yet there's something missing. And this is why they brought in Ryan O'Reilly. This mm-hmm. is why they they brought in Nola Chari. This is why they, they acquired Mark Giordano last year. They're trying to bring in more of that leadership uh, and, and those guys that wanted to, to compete O'Reilly with the Stanley Cup championship. So to, to bring this back to the Blues, you know, how far off are they from the teams that are in the playoffs right now? I don't feel like they're that far off when they're playing the way they can. And if you watch the Blues this year, there were a number of games where they did play exactly the way they could. And those were the times where they got us. They hooked us, right? You look back and you go, man, there's a chance. Like, this team could maybe make the play. And you got hooked for a minute. And yeah. then, unfortunately, they couldn't keep that play up consistently. Defensively, they were a little too loose. The special teams were not good enough. So I don't think they're that far off. But it is eye-opening at the end of the day 
to see just what it takes ultimately from an entire team of players in order to not just make the playoffs, but to have success too. I have a question for you. And we've seen the NHL uh, progress in a way where you're seeing and kind of Doug Armstrong kind of talked about about the 18 minutes a night for the 18 second highlight, right? Mm -hmm. We see a lot of younger players with a ton of skill and whatnot. Toronto Maple Leafs, for example, they're a team full of that. You got Marner, Matthews, Nylander, Michael Bunting, another young player. Those guys aren't laying it out on the line, and but they have a ton of skill. Their skill alone should win them hockey games, right? I wonder if we're seeing the Tampa Bay Lightning consistently make it to the Stanley Cup final because they have a veteran group that know how to win whereas these younger players they're not willing to sacrifice to get to that point i wonder if they'll ever learn it's tough right because tampa bay took their lumps before they had their successes mm -hmm. and no one i don't think anybody forgets the four in a row to columbus the year when they were supposed to run the whole table right they're like whoa what happened well you weren't tough enough as a team mentally or physically mm -hmm. What did the Lightning do? They altered their roster a little bit. They went and got some older guys, Pat Maroons, Luke, Shen, the Corey Perry's yeah. of the world, found their way to Tampa Bay. Nick Paul's another guy, picked them up from Ottawa last year. They keep adding the ingredients necessary to give the team that culture, that attitude that it needs. And John Cooper is a very successful coach. He's won at every single level that he's ever coached at, and he knows what it takes. And they also have a great captain in Steven Stamkos. He's always willing to sacrifice of himself for the betterment of the team. And once you get a little taste of that victory too, like the players always say, once you win that cup, you want it again. You want that feeling again. And right now that's what the Tampa Bay Lightning have going for them is they have a number of guys that have won Stanley Cups recently mm -hmm. and some of the multiple Stanley Cups. So they know what it takes. Toronto hasn't had that success. They don't know what it feels like to right. be successful. They only know what it feels like to fail. And the pressure is big time in Toronto. We always compare it to you know playing for the Yankees if you're in, in baseball or the Dallas Cowboys because of the media attention that you get playing in Toronto. So the guys like Ryan O'Reilly that were brought in there, Luke Shen brought in there at the deadline, these guys have a big job right now they've got to make this group of young players in toronto feel like it's possible and let them know how they have to play for it to become something that's possible yeah and i wonder as it pertains to the blues the direction that they're going in a ton of young players just how important the Braden shins the justin falks and, and, and justin falk he hasn't even been to a Stanley Cup. Mm -hmm. you know, he, he was close the year that the Blues actually won the Stanley Cup. They were in the Eastern Conference Final that year against the Bruins, but he hasn't even been to the Cup. So I wonder if the Blues are missing more of those uh, veterans and how that will end up shaking out as the years go by. You know, you look at a team like the New Jersey Devils, their young core is now growing into a team that is a playoff team now, but can they make it to that next level with with the veteran group that they have. You look at the Colorado Avalanche last year, they brought in guys like Darren Helm, right? I know. They were a team that couldn't get over the hump, right? They couldn't get over the hump. 
They have a ton of skill, but they bring in a guy like Darren Helm, uh, Andrew Cogliano, guys that have been there before. Mm -hmm. And look what happens. They end up winning. Yep. And so the Blues, I think you'll see a veteran of some type added to this group, whether it's Ryan O'Reilly that comes back. Maybe they kick the tires on Noel Achari again. But yeah, Braden Shen, Justin Falk, and, and that that leadership group that is right now in charge of the Blues are at the top of the food chain. They've got a big job to do. They've got a big job this offseason to get this team mentally ready to sacrifice whatever it takes in order for the team to be successful. So we'll see how that ends up working up for the Blues. By the way, uh, late entry for question of the day. This uh, definitely on topic with what we just talked about, but uh, Jamie, maybe you know the, the answer to this one. How did the Industrial Revolution change the face of the modern novel forever? Oh, we'll get to that next here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. dynamic tease at the end of biggest question of the day yeah, I did. and we won't we always want to pay off those teases so why don't we go ahead and do that now uh marsh do you want to restate the question it's a really good one uh yeah so the question was uh obviously we had our our biggest question of the day which was how far off are the blues from these playoff teams and we went into uh uh, you know, into depth and, you know, citing specific examples. Uh, but then we had a late entry for question of the day. Uh, biggest question of the day was how did the industrial revolution change the face of the modern novel forever? Of course, needing to cite specific examples. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is what we came up with. The industrial revolution to me is just like a story I know called the puppy who lost his way. <laughs> and nobody especially the little boy, society, knew where to find them. Except that the puppy was a dog. But the industry, my friends, that was a revolution. That's right. It's perfect. This is a perfect answer. It's spot on. Yeah. If you missed anything from today's show, make sure you download the podcast, 101ESPN.com, or your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Had our final chat of the season with Craig Berube, who joined us earlier in the show. Jeremy Rutherford also joined us to talk a little about Jordan Cairo. We talked about the Cardinals' victory today over the Diamondbacks. I had a really good discussion on whether or not we overrate MLB managers, especially compared to other sports, and uh, talked about whether or not after, you know, City SC took Cincinnati to the woodshed last weekend, if they have if they have staying power at, at the top of their uh, their conference throughout mm -hmm. for the rest of the season, so uh, let's get to some criticisms, some some, some criticisms and some compliments. Uh, one I, from the three one four. No, you're fine. Uh, not even really a criticism or a compliment. It's more of like a, a situation that we were in at the very beginning of the show uh, from the 314. All I can picture right now is old school in the circle of trust segment. 
where I hate to say it, Jamie would probably be playing Will Ferrell in this situation. Marsh is the wife, and Anthony is the psychiatrist. <laughs> but that's what you guys just made me think of. Thank you. Thought we're in the trust tree with the birds in the nest. Are we? Are we not? No, mm-hmm. we are. We are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are really getting after me today. What well, they said, unfortunately. Marsh, I, I had a fire under my belly. Marsh, I think if you go back and listen to that first segment yeah. and the work that Jamie and I did to help you, yeah. I, I think it's all there, and you just need to process it, understand okay. where you are, are mentally and how you uh, continue to put yourself in Nolan Gorman's shoes and how that's making you uh, act the way you are. Well, if or I was do. in his shoes and a lefty came up, I'd walk right back to the dugout. <laughs> ah, no, I'm not taking this at bat, so go ahead, Ollie. You know, I have been fired up these past few days, but luckily there's no game tomorrow, and, you know... We can kind of settle down and and just have a nice day. You need a day off, Marsh, from this Cardinals team. Yeah, I think we all do. I think I, we all I, do. Screw it, I'm going to take a week off. What? Jamie, yeah, Jamie's out for a while. What? He's going back to Mexico. He's just there. Monday to Friday, baby. I will be in Mexico. <laughs> Got your Speedo picked up? Just wait. Is it a Speedo or is it a thong? I don't go full thong. These cheeks are rather large. Don't look <laughs> great with a piece of dental floss between them. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Glide's tail, but mm-hmm. over here. <laughs> Still for power. Uh, by the way, speaking of Jamie being out, he'll be out for the last half of the show tomorrow. Danny Mac filling in. Yes, Dan McLaughlin will be here with us for the final two hours of the show. So looking forward to that. And then Jamie, you off Friday? You're, no, you're I'll be Friday. here Friday, Anthony. Oh, I don't sorry. like the way you said it that like that. Was, I thought it was, it was like it was a, a barb. Like you're needling oh, me for no reason at all. Barb is in the sales staff. I don't she know. does a wonderful job. She does. Thank you, Barb, for uh, mentality. We got a really nice compliment from the 618. Uh, I missed 99% of the show today, but good job anyways. Thank you. Appreciate you. <laughs> All right, we've got N- that way. we've got NBA playoff action: Grizzlies versus Lakers, Game Two with the pregame starting in less than five minutes. Again, NBA playoffs uh, for Andrew Marsh. Oh no! This, this text message. Just go, this. man. For Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll be back tomorrow at two o'clock. Again, Grizzlies, Lakers, Game Two pregame starting now. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.